I wanted to to do something. Start, I don't know if start this off is the correct way because uh, usually we have our little intros or whatever. But <laughs> Austin. Yeah. Today at work, Dylan approaches me and has a question. Okay. This guy asks me. Actually, I think it was Sabrina who actually asked me this. So she asked me if I eat anything weird. Okay. Uh-huh. Not, not not a particularly odd question, I don't think, because, you know, some people have like weird eating habits and whatnot. I don't think I like uh, too much where this is going. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, so who was it? Was it Nikea who said she ate spaghetti with sugar? <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is very odd. Yeah, that's that's, that's super what, that's gross, dude. Like, oh, that's pretty. That's pretty gross. But uh, I, I mean, it's not the grossest thing. I mean, I put sugar on on fucking waffles, but like, that's normal. Oh, whoa! Wait, you what? mean to tell me you use syrup and then you put more sugar on it? No, I only use sugar if I'm out of syrup. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> If I have syrup, then I'll just use syrup. I'm not a fucking animal. Are you sure? But actually, well, uh, technically, we're all animals. The uh, so. the the Jimmy Dean uh, sausage on a stick thing hey. that are like wrapped in a pancake. I do dip those in sugar and syrup. We're not audible on Twitch. Oh, uh, not audible on Twitch. Interesting. Okay. Um, we got to start over. No, we can keep this going. This is still very much the podcast. They just can't hear. <laughs> what were you saying earlier? Oh, th- th- he was saying that it's weird that you eat sugar on your pancakes, but then I guess it's not weird because you don't actually eat sugar on your pancakes. If I don't have that... syrup, I'll eat sugar. Hang on. So I... so I am a little bit confused. Okay. So uh-huh. if <laughs> do you just pour like granulated sugar on your pancakes and then eat it that way? No, no. Okay. If I, if I don't have syrup, I just fucking, you know, dab a little bit on the plate next to the pancakes. And I take the pancake with my hand. And I just roll it up. And I just dip it. Just, okay. If there's no okay. syrup on it, I'm going to eat the shit with my fucking hands. Well, let me, do you use normal sugar? Or do you use like the like powdered sugar? Uh, just normal sugar. Okay. Okay. I right. think I could go for some powdered sugar. Yeah. Like it's just, I don't, I, I like I'm weird about certain foods. Like, there are certain foods that I physically cannot eat by themselves, if that makes sense. Like, I have what, to... What is another one? Um, Any meat besides steak. I can't I can't eat any meat besides steak by itself. It has okay. to be with something. I mean, I'm not that extreme, but I can I can see, like, you know, you want something to go with your chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want, yeah. like, a barbecue sauce with your pork chops. yeah. Exactly. Some ketchup on your hot dog. I get it. Okay. Okay. Well, not ketchup. Ketchup's fucking gross. I'm just but... saying, I don't like ketchup either, dude. I'm, you know. You guys are fair. fucking strange. You're like one of ketchup three people nasty. I know that don't like ketchup. It's so fucking gross. <laughs> Two of three. And it's weird because, like, I like tomatoes. Like, tomatoes are fine. That's I, I, I can eat strange. them. I can eat them on things, but I don't know, man. Like, in a salad or on a burger, they're straight. But, like, people who eat tomatoes by themselves, like, I don't trust people like that. Uh-oh. I don't like I don't a, know how I feel like about a fruit that. Roll up. <laughs> this guy. Uh so all right, well, the the reason that I even bring this up at all is because so I when asked this question 
immediately the first thing that popped in mind is like, ah, no, I don't, I don't eat anything strange. Like I don't the, the strange, uh, like I told Sabrina, the strangest thing that I ever do in terms of eating is my sandwiches. I don't put condiments on them because I hate soggy bread and it never fails to put condiments weird. on a fucking sandwich. And it, it, it makes the bread soggy and I can't deal with that shit. Like even, even peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I have to toast in order to, or like I have to toast the bread in order to make sure that like the bread is intact. So it doesn't. So we're soggy. the strange ones, but yet here you are doing shit like that. But I'm not going to lie. A toasted PBJ is some fuck. They're, they're the bomb. I've dude. never tried it. I've never, tr- it sounds tasty. Oh I've never yeah. tried it. I, I just get have- freaky with you guys for a second. Okay. Oh so God. there's, you get some peanut butter and you get some bananas and you get bacon and you like fry that shit all in a pan. It's like it has. It's called the Elvis or something to do with Elvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes oh, sense. Oh, that shit is so fucking. That sounds good. really good. I like. I, uh, I put honey on peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, I could do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard fire. that shit's real good. I put honey um, on pretty much anything. So, to to get to the point that I'm trying to, I just want to see how you guys react. This is the whole. The, this is the build up. So. I don't usually do anything strange, but the other night, uh, Gilby's who's <laughs> in the chat right now. He, we were talking in the discord and he made a comment about how, uh, I think we were talking about our favorite types of cheese. And he made a comment about how, if you ever said that you were never caught having the fridge wide the fuck open and eating like straight from like a bag of shredded cheese, he'd call you a liar because everyone has done that. Yeah. Everyone's I've fucking done that. Never yeah. been caught eating a bag of well, cheese. You, you've never been caught, but you've done it right. You've eaten straight from a bag of like shredded cheese. I mean, if I'm cooking something and I'm using the shredded cheese, I'll have some of it. Yeah. Okay. But I've never okay. just gone straight for my shredded cheese. I don't really. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I've I've sat on the couch with a whole bag. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fucking popcorn. That's I'm not what I'm gonna saying, lie. Man. I totally. Uh, Josie does that too. I've caught her doing it several fucking times. <laughs> I mean, just like put that cheese. back. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I want cheese, you know those little cheese circles that we have. Oh yeah, the like the curds or the cubes. Yeah, like I I will yeah. generally have a cheese available. I don't have to stoop so low as to use my ingredients. <laughs> 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 well, what are what are what's the what are the little like um the little like cheese uh circle things there i know i, I think it's a i think it's a hispanic thing or a brand oh that one in particular i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. dude those are fucking good yeah I eat those by themselves no all the time bro well so to get to to get this uh real thing um the real cheese question string cheese peel or bite Oh, you bite it. That's if you bite yeah. it, you're a fucking psychopath. No, you I bite no shit, dude. Yeah, fuck that. I don't peel that shit. It's no, too much work. You, you guys belong in a in a lock jacket somewhere. I'm in a hurry, and I can eat more though. I feel like I feel like I can gratify eating three of those if I just bite the shit. Because <laughs> um, if I peel it, it's like ah, it was way too much. I'm done with one, but I can eat just three. You're back supposed to, back. to peel it. That's why it's called string cheese. I just call it cheese sticks. Yeah, I just call it cheese sticks too. Yeah, I hate you. All right. Well, (laughs) so when I was a teenager, man out here. Yeah, you are. You are. When I was a teenager, uh, I had a habit of eating out of the bag of shredded cheese. Yeah. And 
Baby, you're constipated all the time. I had a <laughs> a weird thing that would happen, and it was like an mm-hmm. I can't really explain it other than to say it was like this uncontrollable urge when I would eat like I would take like a handful of cheese and I would eat it and then I would immediately want chocolate <laughs> and I don't know that's okay I don't know. is it I okay like on okay. those romantic nights you're getting like wine cheese and <laughs> chocolate right right I mean yeah I guess Maybe. yeah that's the thing I feel like you're normal I personally think it's disgusting but I feel like you're normal <laughs> Okay, you said you're well, fucking gross, but I, I, was, I get it, I guess. I was really expecting a, a different reaction from that. Well, be just because you. if I wasn't led to believe that wine, cheese, and chocolate were normal for a romantic evening, I probably would think Are that they? was the most disgusting. Is Look, cheese yeah. normal for a romantic evening? I don't know why. I really don't. Go to them fancy restaurants and get a charcuterie plate. Do yeah, it. that sounds super expensive. I'm not going to ever do that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, fair enough. Although, Uh, that stimmy, though. Welcome to Hunting Pixels. You know, this is the official video game podcast of uh, been cool, but here we are. Culture Bop and culturebop.com. Uh, we have a great show for you today. I didn't write an intro, so I'm winging it. As usual. Uh, as usual. Uh, well, no, y- y- fuck you. Usually I have an intro written, <laughs> and as you can tell from the outline that I have here, I put a lot of time and effort into this outline, so you can go fuck yourself, sir. Yeah, and then the introduction suffered for it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, God damn. All right, I just got back over to the chat. $40 for cold cuts and cheese. (sighs) That's That's not bad. that's, That's Justin's problem for living in New York. Everything's, like, crazy expensive. Um. No, but you're listening to Hunting Pixels. We've got a great show for you today. Um, We will be talking about gaming moments that have left an impact on us. It's going to be good. Uh, Also, Austin probably has some anime to talk about. For sure. (laughs) I feel like we talk about this same exact fucking anime every episode. No, we don't. I I didn't talk about anime at all last week. No, that's fair. That's fair. But I don't know. Uh, But also, real quick, I just want to, before we get like right into it, I want to address something real quick. Sir, I have to edit the podcast every week. So I listen to it at least three times all the way through every week. Every episode. So Uh, you can go. What what are you trying to prove? My dick. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. You're doing your job. This fucking guy, you're fired. I, I don't have the conviction like like Trump or or, or uh, Vince McMahon does. I can't can't actually fire anyone. You just can't get get the power behind the behind the. Also, words. I can't fire you because I don't pay you. So exactly, that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, if you I wanted I to, just... I appreciate it. But 
I could just you know. stop doing the show, I guess. Yeah, good. Just kick me off the show. That all you're doing is giving me an extra three hours a week that I'm missing. So, yeah. Well, I I can't do that because I care a lot. Okay. Oh God, fuck no. you guys! Y'all aren't looking at the outline. I watched a movie from Netflix called I Care a Lot, guys. Oh, that was a transition. <sighs> good job. Yeah, I did it. I nailed it. Woo! Woo. Okay. So I care I just a lot. Didn't care a lot. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I Care A Lot is oh a movie. It's a Netflix original movie. Oh, uh, that was weird. I don't know why the hell that happened. Uh-oh. Okay. It, I might have to I might have to just wing this. I wanted to have a... Uh... There it is. Okay. He so, said I have a script for this. Yeah, well, I, I have bullet points for my thoughts, but I also kind of wanted to read out like a, a brief synopsis uh, okay. so that then everyone could get like a, an idea of what the movie's about. But uh, so the movie, it talks or not talks about, but is um, follows a woman named Marla Gray, who basically makes a living by convincing the legal system that she will like basically convinces them that they give up these elders who are having like mental problems or like they can't take care of themselves any longer to mm -hmm. give her guardianship of them. And what she'll do is then she will start selling off their assets and, and everything that they own and pocketing all of it. So she makes mad money by basically stealing from these old folks. That's the basic premise. And then she f she gets word from one of her doctor friends who kind of like feeds these people to her that she has found this woman who may have some signs of like some early signs of like dementia or Alzheimer's or something like that. And that this woman is fucking loaded. Like just she is independently wealthy. She doesn't have any family members or whatever. And like, basically she's like a, a unicorn, but they, they call her a cherry, which I guess is their term for unicorn in this like line of business or whatever. And so she gets involved with this woman, gets the guardianship and starts to do the things. But it turns out that this woman actually has a son who is kind of like off the books because he is a gangster <sighs> and then hijinks ensue. So, um, this movie is something else. It is probably the best three, three and a half star movie that you will watch this year <laughs> and has the makings of a cult classic. The acting in this movie is excellent. The lead is played by Rosamund Pike, who, if you guys don't know, she was the lead in Gone Girl and uh, what's something else that people would know her from? Um, I've never seen that movie. Oh, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a British actress. I'm trying to find. Uh, oh, God, I didn't know this. She was in the 2005 Doom with The Rock. Ugh. I don't I don't remember her in that at all. What a uh, terrible movie. I'm looking through her filmography right now. She was in. So she was in Gone Girl. She was in, uh, oh God, 
I, I don't know if you guys would know her from anything else. The World's End, the, the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movie. Um, she was in Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. I mean, she's been in a, a lot of stuff, really, but a lot of it's kind of like not really well known, which is kind of. Yeah, weird. I was about to say, you're really not ringing any bells. Yeah, like I like there. Let me put it this way. There are movies on here that I know that I'm sure you guys wouldn't know. Yeah. Like uh, A Private War or uh, Return to Cinder or. Well, may, maybe you guys. She was in the Wrath of the Titans uh, sequel hmm. to the remake. And that movie was fucking bad. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, she's she's the lead and she is really really fucking good in this like unreasonably good and peter dinklage is kind of the same like opposite of her like he the both of them really bring like they kind of elevate the material that they're given when like when i say it's like a three three and a half star movie like that's that doesn't mean that it's bad uh oh mr gilbeasy said she's in die another day I, I didn't see that in her filmography, but that I mean that's, that's pretty fucking big. It's a Bond movie, um, but uh, yeah. So they're excellent, and they they really elevate elevate the material they're giving, because the writing and the filmmaking are not particularly the best. the The writing has some, it has some pacing issues that. I feel like could have been fleshed out with maybe like another draft or two. Like it, there are parts of it that like they kind of gloss over, but then there are parts of it that like aren't necessary. So it's like the, the, the stuff that they gloss over could have gotten some extra time, but then the stuff that's not necessary could have been cut. And I think that that's part of that is the writing. Part of that is the directing. Um, but like it also, it's got a really good central theme around it, I think, where it's kind of talking about, like, the corruption of systems, and it's also talking... Uh, I kind of hate this in movies. It kind of bothers me because whatever, but, like, it's also kind of like a takedown of capitalism in some ways, and, like, I don't know. Like, everyone likes to shit on capitalism, but, like, you motherfuckers are rocking your iPhones. Like, come on. Uh, anyway, that's that's a whole nother political talk, topic that I don't really particularly want to get into but like so it's got this really good central theme and it kind of weaves like a really at really kind of intriguing narrative around it but like the messaging is kind of muddled because like these people are bad people all the way around like peter dinklage's character he's a gangster from the russian mafia but like he deals in human trafficking, which is fucking awful. And then you've got the main actress who's like taking these old people for everything they fucking have. And she she kind of lays it out in one scene where she's like, you know, I'm doing this to get ahead because if I didn't, like, people would eat me alive. And like, I think that like there's some good stuff in there in, in terms of like building that core theme. But then at the end, like she wins so, like spoiler alert. She kind of wins, but then immediately after she dies yeah. and it's like, so what, what, like, what are you, what are you trying to say here? Are you trying to say that like being cheap 
gets you like gets you the win or are you trying to say that what you're doing is bad like it it just comes across very mixed yeah and, and even that like even that comes down to like the the filmmaking itself like the the direction is solid enough like there are there's a lot of like pretty well shot scenes and like i think that the the costume design in here is really fucking good. But then there are moments where like there was one scene in particular with, uh, I forget his name. There, uh, there's this one actor that you'll notice, like you see him in everything. Like he's all over the fucking place and he comes and has a conversation with her and the lighting is like terrible. It's really, really bad. Like he is blown way the fuck out. And she's like, opposite of him and she's fine and it's like you didn't like look to see if this matched at all like i don't know there, there's some really messy stuff in this movie but like it's also entertaining as fuck like i had such a good time watching it oh, yeah. but it's like it's not i don't know i i'm i feel very mixed on it because there's there's some there's something good here and if it had had just a little bit more competence put behind it yeah. i think that it, it would have been something very special, but as it is, it's kind of very <sighs> meh. Okay. If that makes sense. So, so I'm going to start asking you this with every movie that you talk about out of a 10, what would you give it? Uh, I mean, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like a six or a seven. Okay. Okay. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, I mean it's it's not bad. I I really had like a fun time with it, but yeah. like, the funness of it doesn't outweigh its flaws. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get that. I get that wholeheartedly. Makes sense. So, is the yeah. guy that you're talking about who appears in everything, Chris Messina? Uh, I believe that's his name. Let me get a picture of him real quick. Because uh, if that's the case, then I've seen. Yep, a movie that's him. He's okay. I've seen a movie he's in, but neither of the two. Or, yo, I've seen Peter Dinklage's shit, obviously, but yeah, yeah. I guess I haven't seen the actresses. I've seen Birds of Prey, so I've seen. Yeah, yeah, he was in Birds of Prey. He's also, uh, I mean, he was in. He's been in a bunch of TV. He was in that uh, that uh, Mindy Kaling show, The Mindy Project. Uh, he was in. Well, we won't go into it, but yeah, he he's in everything. So mm. hell yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so. Good good times. Tell me about Evangelion Austin. Dylan's already shaking his head. <laughs> Boy. So <clears throat> anyone who's ever listened to this podcast ever has heard more than once that Evangelion is my favorite anime of all time. It has been for a while and it probably fucking will be. Um I've been watching not not only have I been rewatching the original series and all the rebuild movies, but I've also just been doing more research into it as a franchise. Um, because last last week in Japan, after nine years worth of delays, uh, the final movie was finally released in theaters. And uh, the the creator and director of the series, Hideaki Anno, has stated that, like, this is it. I'm not doing any more Evangelion. I hate my fan base. I'm not doing any more of this ever again. This is the final movie you greedy motherfuckers are going to get. And... Uh, I'll talk more about that in a second, but it 
I haven't seen the movie because Japan as a government, oddly enough, is working with the uh, animation studio and really fucking cracking down on uh, um, illegal postings of the movie online. Um, like, they're literally threatening 10 years in prison for posting this fucking movie. Um, so it, it yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, they're not like uh, the the studio has paid a lot of fucking money to have this movie fucking protected at all fucking costs. Um, so that was fucking crazy to hear about. But uh, I, I, I have seen spoilers and I honestly went out of my way to read spoilers on Reddit because I just want to know how the film fucking ends. And I haven't seen it yet. I don't know when I'm going to get to see it. Apparently, Funimation and Netflix have entered, have already entered a bidding war over who will have the rights to it. Um, I really fucking hope Netflix doesn't get it because that'll be fucking terrible. Because I really don't like their voice cast that they used for the redubbing of the series. Um, but then I can stream it instead of going to a theater. So I mean, that might be cool to just watch it on Netflix. But. Um, it, it, from what I've read and what I've already been told about the movie, it, it sounded like an, an immaculate send-off for a series that started so much in Japan. Um, I was watching a video on Evangelion the other day, and apparently uh, the reason why uh, like uh, figure collecting has become such a fad is because of a figure of Rei Ayanami from Evangelion that was released in the mid-90s, and apparently that specific item sparked an entire fad that still goes on to this day and uh i i i, I watched an interview with a uh, interviews with like a bunch of different manga and anime creators and they all talked about how evangelion literally changed the market um uh, like one of the for instance one of the reasons why a lot of a lot of new gen anime have like kind of the, the lewd fan service scenes um is to promote those figures that evangelion kind of sparked the hype up for because uh, before, like pre-Evangelion, anime didn't really do that. Like there really wasn't. I mean, you had your kind of like lewd scenes, but they weren't. They didn't have the. They didn't have a sexual tone to them like they do now. They they were used uh, just kind of nonchalantly, and you really didn't think anything about it. And it, it's crazy to me that that Evangelion was really a, uh, a a cultural reset in Japan as far as anime goes. So for that movie, for that series to finally get its closure and its send off, uh, regardless if you're into anime or not, that's a really big fucking deal. And it, it's breaking records and I can't fucking wait to see it over here. And that's it. That's all yeah. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I uh, was watching a video, I think, the other day um, with uh, I don't remember. Oh, it was a video about the Final Fantasy VII remake, mm -hmm. and um, they were talking about people, like, trying to outlive the shadow of their, like, the stuff that they had created before, and one, yeah. of, the, one of the things that they brought up was the guy from Evangelion, who was, like, remaking everything, yeah. or, like, re remaking the series mm -hmm. to, like, better fit his thing, I'm, and the first one that jumps to mind for me is... is George Lucas with Star Wars. Like, yeah, he went back and changed all kinds of shit. And it, I don't mm -hmm. know. But, you, uh, yeah, you can tell you can really tell by the way Ono kind of talks about the rebuild movies that he didn't like. He didn't really want to do the rebuild movies like he he felt like the series was fine where it was. But uh, and he wanted to leave it where it was. But it's just the fan base was just craving more media and more media. 
that he finally gave the rebuild series and then people were mad because they were like oh well isn't this supposed to be like a like a remake or like a reboot so to speak and he was like no that's not that's not what i want to do so that's not what it's going to be this is going to be a completely mm. new story um i think the first rebuild movie is pretty much scene for scene shit from the, the yeah. original series but really starting about halfway through the second movie the story takes a drastic fucking change and yeah. it just it's balls to the wall from fucking there uh, if you've never seen those movies, they're really cool. I own them. I own the collector's editions, and they're really cool. They're fun. But mm. definitely check them out. They're great. Yeah. Well, uh, well we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dylan, what is WTU? What is Weekly that? Weekly Twitch update. Come on. Oh, good no man. Come on. Yeah. That's all Dylan does. I know. Yeah, I, I like to throw in one abbreviation a week, or at least I try to. And then uh, let Dylan, us try to decipher Dylan it. Dylan works... He works, he does Twitch, and he writes abbreviations. That's what he does. That's it. Those three things. And that's I have it. a beard. That's my person. And he has a beard. Yeah, that, yep. that's his personality. <laughs> um, look, I don't, I don't remember a lot of my week, I'm not going to lie to you. From the last time that we streamed a podcast, I think that like the following day I did an eight-hour stream. Um, and then since then, I think I've been at work more than I've been at home. But Twitch... Twitch has been good. I, uh, I'm really falling into this whole, f- first off, fuck Spyro 3. We're not going to talk too much about it. <laughs> How did but, your run go today? Uh, I made it further than I have in a long time. I watched like 10 seconds of it. You were doing great in that, those 10 seconds. I'm glad that you have that memory from it because <laughs> the rest of it was pretty awful, actually. Yeah. Um, I am... I'm not done with Spyro, but I'm going to try it less frequently. Um, It comes, it comes. I'm not worried about it, but I am having a lot of fun on Dark Souls. And the community for Dark Souls is so great because it's something that I've watched for a long time. But my issue is that I I don't retain what I watch from these people. So I'll be going through and trying to find a section. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, where the fuck do I go? And there's always someone there in chat to help me. Um, talk about Dark Souls later when we get to what we've been playing, but it's the community more or less that I've focused on so much recently. It's because there's always someone there to help and no one's a dick about it. Um, the only people that are dicks are just my normal chat anyway. So yeah, <laughs> fine. yeah I understand. Um, but uh, yeah, so the eight hour stream happened because we hit 100 followers and then I got raided. Oh my God. Okay. So I was... I've moved on in Dark Souls from just a normal casual run to practicing for soul level one, which is just, you know, you can't level up. You can level up your weapon, but you're literally at level one for the whole game. So that super sucks because I'm starting to undertake what I would consider to be probably the hardest thing about Dark Souls, and it's doing SL1. Um, so I'm starting to practice, and I've, ma- I'm, I've made it pretty far in the first day, and I'm practicing on what I would consider what to be one of the harder bosses called Abyss Watchers. <laughs> And I've been practicing this boss for like a good hour, maybe hour and a half. And then all of a sudden Bugs comes in my chat and he was like, uh, raid incoming. And I was like, okay, like kind of sketched out Bugs never announces a raid. So that was really weird. And then I had another person in the chat named Didi and he was like, Didi, he's coming. And I was like, what the fuck is he's coming mean? And then it clicked with me and my heart started racing. Um, 
And then I got raided by Dino, which is like one of the biggest soul streamers. Um, mm. I mean, he's just fantastic. He's the one that got me into no hit running Spyro. I'm um, just finding a challenge run to do myself. So within a second, like I had 300 people watching. Uh, my nerves were shot because the boss was so fucking difficult. And like in a minute, in just a matter of a second, we went from 100 followers to 120 followers. It was crazy. Um, so that was super big. That was my week. That was the high point of my week. Like the promotion for the job, you know, going to spend time with Sabrina in the mountains. It doesn't matter. I got raided by Dino. That's all. That <laughs> well, fair enough. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad that it is still going well for you. I am. It's going well. Yeah. I took a day off and I felt so dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You haven't stopped. Like it's been every single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's every well, day, and then I took a day off yesterday to go do mountain shit, and then I and I was driving home, and it's like, ugh, like I just feel disgusting. Like I didn't stream, I didn't put on a show. It was awful. This fucking well, you're guy. making up for it. Uh, well, you made up for it today, and now you're doing a podcast stream. So there you go. Yeah, and then I'm doing a longer stream tomorrow. So oh, well, there you go. Yep, Dark Souls. Well, uh. The last thing that I'm going to talk about is I rewatched. Um, I know that I've talked to you guys before about how we're going through. We're finally picking it back up. We're going through all the uh, Friday movies and the nightmare movies until we reach the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, we rewatched or I rewatched. Um, they were watching with me. I think it was Dylan's first time. Uh, oh, oh. A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Hold on. Well, Keep doing what you're doing. I'll be right back. I gotta go do dad shit. Oh, daddy, daddy shit. Okay. Um, oh, he said dad shit. Mm, look, daddy <laughs> shit is never mind. No, 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 no. Yeah, All right. go on, go on. Tell me, daddy shit is when he gets a text from Madison saying, I need you, <laughs> winky face, and then dad shit is like, Hey, I need you, upset face, like you know, the kid shit on okay. the wall or something. That that's pretty pretty likely for his uh <clears throat> lifestyle. Children? I okay. I I was trying to think of a, a way to call his children nasty, but uh anyway, yeah. <laughs> I watched the original nineteen eighty four uh Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, not the good one that with uh you know the I hate you. Scott you shut your mouth, <laughs> I'm done with you. Uh listen, I you know, Dylan um was telling me uh that Oh, he there were things in this movie that he actually liked. And I was not expecting that from him, considering like we watch some of these older movies and he's like. Like really uppity about it, like because the graphics aren't good or, or you know, whatever. And he was like, yeah, there are things about this. Yeah, I know. Right. Dude, I, uh, side tangent. When I worked at the the restaurant that I worked at, we got into a huge argument, like a like days long argument one time about how the newest set of star Wars movies were the best set of star Wars movies because they had the best fucking graphics. Oh. I was like, are you, are you, are you shitting me? No, oh. that's not how it goes. They're the best for other reasons. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> Dylan, you can't do me like this. All right, hang on. And you said, yeah. Uh, so, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, 
quick rundown. You already know who it is, but basically there's these set of teenagers that are having nightmares all at the same time, and they're all involving this guy with wearing a fedora, and he has, quote-unquote, knives for fingers. And uh turns out that he's some sort of, like, dream demon, and he can kill you in your sleep. That's the basic plot of it. So, um... I really adore this movie. It's from Wes Craven, who last week we talked about Scream. I think it was. Was it last week? Yeah. Okay. He he directed that. He directed this. I mean, the dude, up until like later in his life, he he directed mostly good to excellent movies in the horror genre. And like his output in the 80s is, I think, kind of unmatched. Uh, and, and then he kind of towards the, towards the end of the eighties tailed off and then brought it back again with 93. He did, uh, a new nightmare. And then after that he did scream and then like scream two and other things. And so like he wrote and directed this and the writing with, with the exception of some of it being dated, like there are, uh, references that like don't quite make sense in today's, uh, lexicon with, <laughs> and there's also some cheesy shit in there. Like when, uh, Nancy and, uh, Glenn who's Johnny Depp. Oh, that's a whole nother story. Dylan. I have to tell you this as an, like, like, uh, off air or whatever but there was a really fucking funny moment where dylan could not tell us who the fuck johnny depp was but like one of his favorite series is pirates of the caribbean oh it- my god <laughs> dude that was the first movie i saw johnny depp in was nightmare on elm street yeah, yeah it was his first movie so, yeah uh, i just i don't know uh, that that was funny but um Anyway, yeah, so the the movie is pretty great, but like like there the scene in particular I'm talking about like he asked her like why she's reading like the survival manual and she's like oh, hang on, it's it's called booby traps and improvised uh self-defense devices or something like that. And he's like, "Why are you reading this?" And she goes, "I'm really into survival." And it's just it's uh anyway, so yeah. for the most part the the script is real tight, it's real good. But there are the ending of the movie kind of falls apart, unfortunately. Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you get to the ending and she's dragged him into the dream world or out of the dream world into the real world. And he's still doing supernatural shit. But but then it turns out that she didn't actually bring him into the real world. It's still the dream world. And the way to get rid of him is by turning your back on him and being like, yeah, I realize this is all a dream and you're nothing. Fuck you. Like it just doesn't like the ending really doesn't come together cohesively the way that the rest of the movie does, which is kind of unfortunate, but also is, I mean, for something as high concept as this, I kind of forgive it a little bit. Other than that, man, it's excellently, excellently directed. I think it's still got some of the most iconic shots in all of cinema. Like the the scene with him with his arms, you know, outstretched and and like he's got his nails on the uh, on the side of the metal and like that just silhouette of him walking towards the camera and he's like bathed in blue light is just is gorgeous. There's the I mean, there's the iconic scene with him like 
with his uh, his glove coming up out of the water while she's like in the bath. Like there are just so many really well shot things. And then the practical effects like still really fucking hold up. Like there's this one shot in particular that I really love. And it's <sighs> knowing how it's done for me doesn't really hurt the illusion of it all. But basically you, you've got the 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 background canvas or whatever. And then there's like a, a little like two way, like there's like an additional thing in front of it. And then like Freddie hops out and, but he shouldn't be able to hop out from there because it's just like a little twig of a tree. But the way that they do it, like practically makes sense. Mm. And it, it's still like, I, I love that shot. I think it holds up even though it's like, it's old school movie magic. If you, if you, if like, if that makes sense or like they, the fact that they used the, the turning room twice, like they did it to, to do Tina's death. But then they also used it when they killed Johnny Depp. Like there oh, are, yeah. there are just so many like really cool practical fucking effects in this movie. And like they, they're beautiful. And like I said, they, I, I think that they genuinely hold up even what it's 84. So it's almost, almost 40 years old in yeah it's it's 37 like i can still watch this movie and be like god damn this is a good movie and it's really yeah. well made and like i don't know i i feel like i've talked about it enough it's really good if you haven't seen it you should go watch it it's a great it, it's film. great yeah it, yeah I'm, uh bz in the chat says just read the day blizzard fired 50 people and gave them 90 days severance and 200 battle.net gift cards so i just read that too <laughs> And I think it's pretty fucked up, but at the same time, you know, free battle.net gift cards. You can buy a lot of Overwatch with that. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, man. That's mm -hmm. ridiculous. No, it does suck though. Because mm. I mean it's from uh it's from the esports team though. That should be stated. It is from the esports team. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's not as bad. Yeah, that's part? what I read at least. Maybe. Uh yeah. I don't know. Uh Austin, tell us about your Stevo stand-up special. Wait, Steve he was gone. He he lost his he lost his. Mind. No, fuck you. Shut up. <laughs> so Make this quick. No one cares about Stevo. Uh, everyone cares about Stevo. He's a crazy motherfucker. Um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of his stand-up specials and just like little bits that he does on the internet. And I genuinely don't know how he just like wakes up every day and is still alive. <laughs> Like, it yeah, genuinely it doesn't make any... Shut up. <laughs> like, uh, all the crazy shit this man has fucking done, and he just walks around like it's nothing. He's like, yep, yeah. stapled my balls to my thigh, and I'm cool. <laughs> it's not an issue. Um, uh, but he, ha he has a new stand-up special that you can pay $10 to stream, and it's called Gnarly. And it is very appropriately titled, because holy shit... There is some wild stuff in that stand-up special, dude. He um he he does one thing where he uh he body paints like the lower half of his body, so like his junk and stuff, and uh, he just goes around in public and sees if anybody notices it. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was riding. He did one where he was like riding a bike, and so he like body painted it to look like a. Uh, uh, like I, I don't know what you fucking call the like bike riding gear or whatever people who do that wear. And uh, he, he went to go, like, jump down a flight of stairs and on a bike and obviously fucked up. 
He's like rolling around. People are helping him up, and his junk's just like flailing around everywhere. <laughs> it takes him a hot second to realize, oh shit, that's this guy's penis. But uh, he he is just insane, dude. I uh, he he appeared on a podcast that I listened to a couple weeks ago uh, called Stiff Socks, and uh, he talked about his next stand-up special. And it was really hard to get the opening bit for, but it is where he. Uh, jumps out of a plane and uh climaxes while jumping out of the fucking plane and I'm, I'm just like where like where do you even come up with the idea to do some of this stuff um he he's got one bit out now where he uh he he gets a vasectomy and then goes horseback riding oh my god it's <laughs> probably good he got a vasectomy did he yeah. have kids already no he he, he said he's he's Thank never fuck. wanted kids he, that's why he did the vasectomy joke because he was like i never want kids anyway my fiance doesn't ever want kids so i had no issue getting a vasectomy but i was just like damn bro vasectomy and horseback riding he his original uh idea for that bit was actually to do like a like a five mile run uh, with somebody else, but then be shot with a tranquilizer dart right right when they are sent to go. But he was like, I'm, I'm a recovering drug addict, and those tranquilizers have ketamine in them. So, like, I can't, I couldn't do that. Uh, so, so he opted out for that. This is going to sound really fucked up, but I say this, I don't know how I say this. I cannot wait to see what kills him. Honestly. Like, like of all I, the I don't want him to that die. he's done. Yeah, like, I do not want him to die. I need to specify that. But I, I, I look. Nope, I don't look forward to it. I can't wait. Mm, that sounds bad too. I'm curious as to what you want to see what, what finally does him in. Yes, that dude. That that, that's it. like that's like my thing with Steve Irwin, dude. It irks me. It irks me so uh, bad yeah. that Steve Irwin died from a stingray. Like this man was literally right. out here like rubbing up all over crocodiles, and he died yeah. from a fucking stingray. Like that sucks. I mean, it's it sad, dude. You, you know, R.I.P. Steve Irwin, I suppose. But that's just that's fucking crazy. So it it'll be nuts to see what what dumb stunt finally does Steve-O in. I, at this point, yeah. though, he might be immortal. Honestly, he might have figured it out. Well, and he might just be walking away from everything. You just have to climax from a skydive, and you got it. <laughs> the immortality. He said he I he the podcast I was listening to he brought that up and he was like the idea from that bit was a skydiving instructor came up to me and asked me to do it. And I was like, <laughs> okay. He was he was like, I, if you want me to do that on you, let's fucking do it. Let's plan it. Let's fucking do it. Oh. So it's like that's fucking insane, dude. He's crazy. Yeah. Well, do you have an 18 plus uh warning on your stream? We should we definitely sure shouldn't so. after that. We definitely <laughs> should. I mean, we should anyway, just from being the three of us. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I'll I'll work on making sure that that is a thing next time. Yeah. Um. Because we don't want to be, you know, too impactful on the youth. Please, God, no! There is a trifecta of just bad ideas and beliefs in this room right now. Honestly, not wrong. Good. We don't need any more Joshes walking around. Uh, God, please no. Um, have you guys ever had an experience so impactful that you've never forgotten it? Nope. Some people will remember their first kiss with mo with the most vivid clarity that it's like they're reading from a book. Others may remember a really awful breakup. These experiences. Why are you laughing, you son of a bitch? <laughs> 
it's just the uh, way that the the way you're reading it is funny. Mm, it's funny to okay, me. Okay. Okay. Uh, these experiences strike right to our core, and we remember them forever. Media can also do that. Many. Many of us can recount the very first time that we saw our favorite movie of all time. Some will remember the concert that was, quote, like a light, like a religious experience, end quote. And for some, you know what the problem is? I can't even write, like, read my own writing. We noticed. <sighs> and for some of us, that moment comes from video games. So strap in, guys. It's time for us to get back to our BuzzFeed listicle roots. And we're going to oh, talk no. to you today about the moments in gaming that stuck with us, not only to this day, but may stick with us forever. Uh, I'm going to do this a little bit out of order because I'm interesting, uh, interested uh, in what you guys have to say. So I'm going to start with Dylan first. Oh, okay. Uh, Pass. Till- <laughs> Pass. <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you tell me about your, your memory with, with Stardew Valley? Okay. Um, I, I wondered if you were going to go way out of order. I don't really have an order. These all impacted me in different ways. I only put three. Um, I know you guys have four. I only did four because well, Josh had four. Well, I actually only had three, but one of them was optional because I thought that Dylan would pick it. Uh, and so do you I guys want to like, do three or do you want to do four? Yeah, well, I, we'll I'll do three. do three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I've talked about this a lot on the podcast oh my god and, hang on real quick gilbezi said i remember the first time bebop read a full sentence uh that's never happened damn <laughs> it's a little true though because you even kind of paraphrase your own writing at the same time it's, it's like, true you never yeah it's what you throw me way the fuck off i just stop following along until we get to the topic <laughs> honestly uh, uh but he's not wrong in the past two podcasts in particular, I feel like you've gone full on DJ with the, you know, Dude, the I can't reap. It's, it's okay. But, you know, uh, guys, I'm illiterate. I went to, I went to public school. I'm completely illiterate. I don't think that okay. had anything to do with it. <laughs> um, All right. Anyway, talk about Stardew Valley. God damn it. I think this goes as far back as the first podcast. Um, I've, I write, I, I don't know. It's been a dark year, but so Stardew Valley influenced me in a lot of different ways. Um, it's still my favorite game to this day, just because of how it sucks me in. I mean, Dark Souls three is up there. The Witcher three is up there. All of which are on this list that I'll talk about today. But one of the first moments that truly hooked me into Stardew Valley was you have to give villagers gifts in order to increase your uh, relationship with them. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. It can just be, you know, hey, buddy type of thing. Um, And I really I went into Stardew Valley blind and I still play it blind in a lot of ways because I don't know the true ending of the game. But just going into it the way I did, I didn't know that you could build relationships and trigger cutscenes type of thing. So the first one that I actually did trigger a cutscene for was the homeless guy named Linus. 
Um, I, I increased my relationship with him by giving him food a lot. I'd go fishing and then I'd give him a fish on the way home or I would be going fishing and maybe I found like some grapes on the side of the, you know, trees or whatever, take him some grapes. It's whatever. He was always on my path home and he's probably my favorite or one of my favorite villagers. But the first thing that ever happened, I, I forgot something, you know, so I went into town in the middle of the night and a cutscene triggered. This is the first one I'd seen. I was like, holy shit, this is, you know, story building. I had no idea. And you see Linus, the homeless guy, and he's scavenging through trash cans. And you're like, I mean, immediately you feel bad for him. But it's like, what the fuck? He has mm -hmm. to live this way, um, especially after I've been giving him food all week. But, you know, that's aside the point. Um, and then, so, like, an old man comes out of his house. And he, uh, Linus takes off around the corner. And the old man's like, damn raccoons or something. Like, always rustling about but then your character comes around the corner and the old man says hey do you mind going to scare off those raccoons for me thanks and he goes back inside and your player character walks around the corner and Linus is there and he's like oh shit it's like not only is he like oh shit I was caught but he was also like super embarrassed because he's having to dig food uh dig through trash cans for food and you feel for him man it instantly hits you it's, it's like shit I mean, he lives in a tent away from town as far as you can possibly go. Um, and it sucks. And he's he asks you a question. It's like, do you think what I did was wrong? And you can answer in a, you know, a number of different ways. And it's like you, you you'd have to be a truly evil person to say no. I mean, what you're it's trash. It's going to be taken away anyway. It's like you use it for you. Make what you can out of it. And he feels better about it. He says, I won't go through his trash anymore type of thing. And there's a mutual understanding and you go your separate ways. Um, but even after the player character leaves, he continued, like the cutscene continues and you see him go down to the bar, the local bar, and he starts going through that trash. Of course, I mean, you could find something in there food related because, I mean, they have drinks, obviously, but food. This is where everyone goes. And uh, the bar owner comes out. And Linus starts to walk away to try and play it off. And the bar owner's like, hey, don't think that I don't know what you were just doing. And Linus is like, fuck. Like, again, he's in the situation where he just got caught again. Now he's embarrassed. And this time it's a bar owner going through his stuff. So he turns around and the barkeep is like, whenever you're hungry, come into my bar. No questions asked. There will always be a hot meal for you. And Aww. that's the end of the cutscene." Yeah. And it's like that hit me so hard. I was like, because you see that Stardew Valley is it's a community and you see that these characters all love each other in some way. Some of them have their issues, but this was just a part of the story. And it was the first part of the story that got shown to me. And it was just because I gave the homeless guys some food every now and then inside the game. Um, you can only give them gifts twice a week, but you know, that doing that enough worked up that cutscene. It's the first one I saw, and it's the one that just it snapped. It was like, I love this game. Yeah. And that encouraged me to flesh it out even more. And yeah, Austin, you know that more than ever now because you've actually been playing it. Dude, any anything I'm gonna call him I know you said Linus, but I, I'm gonna say Linus just because it's how I how I read it. 
I um, think that's it's either. Yeah, I really have no idea, dude. Anything involving Linus literally just breaks my fucking heart. Yeah, like it, it makes me feel so hard and it makes me like like because I think that happened to me the other day. I had some kind of interaction with him and like I was about to stop playing and go play Breath of the Wild, and then I had that interaction with Linus, and I was like, I have to keep playing. I need to give you more food. <laughs> Like you're, I think it is you're hungry. Now that you say that. I was like, you're hungry. I have to keep giving you food. I have to play longer. Yep. And and it's 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 heartbreaking, but it's also the, like the whole scene you talked about with the bar owner. It's also unexpectedly wholesome because I didn't expect the cutscene to end that way, and it was great. And I loved it. Same. I thought he was in deep shit. Yeah, for honestly. Sure. Um, but it just it hooked me. I mean, that moment is truly what spawned me diving hundreds of hours into the game. I. I want to play it on stream because I think it would be a lot of fun. But A, I don't know how many people would want to see that streamed. And B, it's kind of like an intimate game that you just want to, you know, take time with. Yeah. On your own. I mean, you're developing relationships. You're building your own farm. It's kind of just an experience for you. And I have it on my phone. I have it on PC. I have it on Switch. You can get it on your phone? Yes. What? That's pretty cool. Yep. $4.99. Not bad, or seven ninety nine. I don't know. That's not bad, honestly. It's really not. But I'd buy it a thousand times over. Yeah, dude, that game, that game really fucking impresses the shit out of me. Especially finding out, like, I watched like a, a video about Stardew Valley. Like, especially finding out that the whole game was made over time by one singular person. It's one guy. And yep. and there's that much thought, depth, and just emotion poured into that. Like, you can tell that, like, this is like this is his life's work. Like this yep. is this is his this is his child, and it's I, his baby. he's he's done such a beautiful uh-huh. job with it, and the way he, uh, the way he kept up with, um, like uh, like fan suggestions and, and feedback and stuff like that, and he handled it very well. He made multiplayer work all by himself. Like <laughs> maybe he had support from Microsoft or something. I don't know. I don't know how it went, but he did all of this on his own. Yeah, for um, sure. He's very active on the Stardew Valley subreddit. That subreddit by itself is probably the most wholesome place you will find on Twitch. Um, there's always helpful people. Um, everyone's always complimenting one another. It's like people go there for support and they show off their cosplays. And it's just it's a community in itself. It's almost yeah. like the game transfers its wholesomeness into its community. And it's just given back at the thousand times mm-hmm. over. it's great it's dude. really cool yeah if you haven't played that game you really fucking should yep i'll get to it eventually i promise maybe josh we'll was see. like i'm an asshole i don't like all that emotion uh no that's not true because you'll see when we get to some of my picks um okay. all right all right so with wait that... you got to pick me can i pick the next person sure why not po- we're gonna do it like popcorn right Oh, what the fuck does that mean? Uh, <laughs> do, do you remember in like elementary school when you guys would have to read aloud? reading? Yeah, popcorn. So yeah. You, like, you would oh, be that like, shit sucked. I, yeah, it did. Is that where my anxiety stemmed from? Probably. That's where mine stemmed from. Holy shit. I can tell you that. Revelations. This is good. Um, Austin, your turn. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me see which one I want to talk about first because they're not really in any particular order. Yeah, let me order. see which one I want you to talk about first. Yeah, I, I didn't ask the that. Last nor one. did I care about that one. I think um, the last one. Well, Josh picked my topic, so I'm going to pick your topic. Okay, yeah. okay, go ahead, go ahead. You want the last one? Actually, no. Uh, 
This is hard because I want to hear about all of them. Just pick. I don't. I, I'm anxious right now. I can't do this. I'm going I'm to do the last one because I want to go ahead and just talk about that one and be done with it because it's so short. I was going to choose that one. Oh, <laughs> um, you did. But my last one is, or not? Fuck. Now you guys are fucking me up. Uh, one of the most impactful moments in gaming for me, for sure, was the uh, red battle at the end of Gold, Silver, Crystal, Heart Gold, and Soul Silver. Um, because I. I'm trying to th- remember the first time I did it um, was when the game first came out. I think I was in seventh grade. I hadn't really gotten accustomed to like YouTube and stuff like that. So um, I like I, I genuinely didn't know this was a thing because I don't I, I know I beat Crystal as a kid, but I never did any of the Kanto stuff because it was too hard for me because I was like five and didn't understand what the fuck was happening. I bet that just broke my phone anyway. <laughs> um, but uh it that like that's something that i wholeheartedly wish pokemon games still fucking did because the the red battle is not impossible it, it's it's not but it's fucking hard it is one it is absolutely the hardest fucking battle in heart gold and soul silver definitely when you take into account that level scaling in gen 2 it, or really just the johto region in general is complete fucking shit uh level scaling is awful and so, like, by the time you get to red, you're probably in, like, I don't know, man, like, the late 50s, mid-60s, maybe? And then red leads out with, like, a level 88 Pikachu, and you're like, yo, what the fuck's happening, dog? I didn't I didn't come up here for this. Um, and I, I thought that that was, that was really, like, I, I think about that specific fight, like, the first time I did it so fucking much when i think about pokemon because that was just like that that was a big moment for me in the franchise was being able to do that and i'm i'm sure it was even more impactful for people back in back in the gen 2 days because it was like oh shit like you're facing the character that you just played as in the previous title which for those of you who don't know which i'm sure everybody does gold silver and crystal were originally meant to be the last games they weren't planning on doing anything after that so they kind of called it back to the originals with this big boss fight, and I'm about to sneeze, so that's why I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that fight vividly, and that was is still one of my favorite moments in the Pokemon franchise to this day. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I wish uh, I wish you would have kept talking for a second because I'm trying to find something that I really don't want to paraphrase. Um, it's so good, but just the battle by itself it redefined Pokemon for me, but which didn't take a lot because yeah. we'd only had red and blue up until then. Mm-hmm. So crystal already was my favorite. I, I didn't get gold and silver in time, but I did wind up getting crystal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was my favorite thing in the world. I played it for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And then doing that and then beating the elite four and then going to Kanto and beating those gym leaders and even going back and beating the Elite Four again, because that's what I thought I'd do, it's like, I felt like something was missing. So I kept exploring, and that's when you go to Mount Silver, and you go through that hellish landscape just to make it to the top of this snowy peak, and you, you know, at least it's snowy in uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, but yeah. you go up, and he's just there, staring off into the distance, and you immediately know who it is. It's like, that's red, you know, you can see it as, hey, that's me from the last game type mm-hmm. of thing, because it's however you want to see it. It was a monumental moment in Pokemon. It's still, 
I don't think there's ever been a moment like it. No. Uh, no, not even close. I think the only moment for me that comes close is uh, Black and White 2 when you're just exploring uh, a certain town. You walk into a building and boom, Cynthia's just there waiting to fuck your day up. That She's just in a house. Yeah, right? like, just in a random unmarked you? house, just vibing. And she was like, well, I'm here to ruin your day. And boy, does she ruin it. Yeah, she <laughs> was hard in that game too. Oh, God. Um, They're going to dumb her down for the remakes, and it's going to be such a shame. Well, I cannot find this bit of dialogue. I mm -hmm. wish. Is this it? Well, maybe. Okay. I found it. Finally. Holy shit. Oh, no, no, no. You go back. All right. So this is from the perspective of gold. This is him climbing up to the top of Mount Silver. It says, I didn't expect anyone to be there, but when I reached the top of the mountain, I saw him. He stood as if he had been waiting all along for someone to make it this far. He hit me with a cold glance and without a word, reached for a Pokeball. I swallowed my fear and did the same. And that's the exact moment that yeah. I took on as Crystal or, you know, playing as in Crystal as gold. It's like you understand who that is. You understand what's about to happen. And it's like. You just go for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I yeah, love dude, that movie. I, it was going to be on my list, so I'm glad it was on yours so we could both talk about it. I uh, I, I feel like I've read this somewhere, but I, I don't know if this is 100% truth. Um, but from, from what I read, a while, I think it was a couple of years ago, and I don't know why I just all of a sudden remember this. Um, they originally wanted to implement a feature in Gold and Silver where you could, um, like when you connected with Red and Blue, when you fought red, it would be uh, he would use the team that you had in your red and blue cartridge. But the, That'd be pretty there, there was the, obviously there were tech limitations back then and, and, and shit yeah. like that. Um, I remember there was one uh, like uh, for red and blue, they wanted to have multiple save files. Is just a little fun fact. They wanted to have multiple save files, but because of the tech limitations, they were like, okay, we can either have multiple save files or allow people to nickname their Pokemon. Like, we can't do both. We only have space for one of the two. So they opted for the nicknaming. Real weird how we still don't have that today. I would choose multiple save yeah. features any uh, week. I think the nicknaming is cool. I nah, think it makes it nicknaming. more personal. I never nickname my Pokemon ever. Yeah, that's because you'd probably forget the names if you did. I started playing on Twitch and nicknamed my Pokemon after my Twitch people in chat. So that was pretty yeah. clever. It's fucking clever, Josh. It is clever. I I didn't say otherwise. No, I saw your face. Uh, <laughs> so I have a, a a question. Do you do you guys think that there's some sort of like psychological thing about like uh, you beating yourself to become like like overcoming your own ad <laughs> uh, overcoming your own like mental hangups or something like that in order to become like maybe the best it does that like does that make sense i think because you might what, be reading too far into a children's game but yeah maybe well, sure sure but i mean like i mean i these moments stick with us for a reason right i mean oh yeah for sure so i just i don't know like for me it stuck right, with though, me yeah. because I knew who Red was outside of mm -hmm. that moment. To me, mm -hmm. Red is just the best trainer of all time. So I see where you're coming from. To me, it was in that moment about just beating the best to become the best, at least in the game, because I'd done everything else. Uh, yeah. 
I didn't look so far into it as a kid, but now I can look back and see something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, as a kid, it was just about that was the last step. Yeah. And it was it was it was so crazy because he doesn't say a word. And then the battle music happens and it's so sick. Yeah, the, yeah. the the manga interpretation of that fight was pretty cool, too. I don't know if you guys have ever read the Pokemon Adventures yeah. manga, but you should because it's kind of better than everything else. I'm not going to lie. It's really dark and graphic and fucking brutal, and it's actually pretty cool. But uh, their their interpretation of of their meeting and their fight was actually really cool. So. Cool. Josh, you go next. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, of course, I'm going to go next. Uh, I mean, if you if you guys want to just bounce back and forth and then have me talk for like 45 minutes straight, that's fine by me. <laughs> no, we'd be we'd be finished after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. Fuck what? <laughs> Go on, uh, Joe. All right, I will uh, I will start things off with my number one. Uh, this is one of the moments that I will I, I just straight up will never forget this uh, little moment from my favorite game of all time. Metal Gear Solid. And it is the Psycho Mantis boss fight. Mm-hmm. Um, part part of the reason that this is so memorable to me is well, I I don't want to say part. Almost the entire, almost the entire reason that this is memorable to me has absolutely nothing to do with the the mechanics of the boss fight or anything like that. It has much more to do with the sort of like leading into the boss fight. So throughout the entire game up to the point where you're at, you kind of have like nods in the storytelling to who Psycho Mantis is. And then you meet up with Meryl for the very first time. And then like, she's fine. Everything's going good. And then you're about to like make your way to a new section of the game. And she starts acting really fucking weird. And you're like, huh, I wonder what, like, what the hell is this about? And then you make it into the room and then she pulls a gun out on you and you're like, whoa, hey, what the, like, what the fuck's going on? And then you realize that it's Psycho Mantis controlling her mind. So that in and of itself is like sort of a, for me, when I was, what, this game, it came out in like 97, 98. So I was like maybe 10 when I played it, 11, 12, maybe at most. And like that to me was like one of those things like, oh shit, like this is something different from what we've seen so far because everything else is like, I fought a guy with, with a revolver. I thought, fought a guy who was like inside of a tank, like, none of this stuff has been like weird so far. And then you've got this like mind control thing going on. It's like, Oh shit. So, but then the really cool shit happens and he basically starts breaking the fourth wall. And so he'll be like, and it's all in service to the storytelling. So he'll, he'll tell you stuff like, I'm going to read your mind now. And then what he does is he'll like read your memory card from the PS one and he'll comment on like whether or not you've played like another Konami title. So like if you've played like Castlevania (laughs) symphony of the night, he'll be like, Oh, I see that you played Castlevania. And it's like, what the fuck? 
how how does this motherfucker know that like I'm I've I've played Castlevania even though in this game you're Snake he's talking to you the player and like that to me was like fucking mind blowing in and of itself but then there are like other little things during the boss fight itself that are just like insane like he will he literally locks up one of your controllers to where you cannot fight him and the only way to like quote unquote like have access to your weapons or to like move or anything like that is you had to switch your controller to the second port otherwise he he would have control of your body and like that is like whoa what the fuck he's literally fucking with you while also fucking with the character and there's other little touches where like he he says stuff like uh you know uh feel my power and then like it, this is before the boss fight, but like he l- will literally make the controller shake. Like if you just leave it there, it like buzzes from the rumble. And it's like, yo, what the fuck? Uh, your boy in chat said yep, he should have called out how bad you were. I should have called out. Oh, yeah. At Castlevania. Yeah. Well, I was actually good uh, during during those days. I was good at Castlevania back in the day. Not so much anymore. <laughs> um, of the night, blue point. I thought you were leaving, leaving and you're still here. We'll see. Uh, what? No, oh, Justin. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and then, oh, God, you came across like such an asshole. I thought you were leaving. It. God, what the fuck? That's how I talk to my chat. I'm kidding. Uh, fair enough. I love Justin. Um, He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Um, but so then uh, there are like... <laughs> In the middle of the of the battle itself, the screen will go blank and you'll hear like a sort of thing. Like it's like he cut the game off and up in the little top right hand corner in green, it like where the old CRTVs would have like their channel or whatever. It says Hideo and it's like he's fucking with you. He's mm-hmm. he's literally fucking with you and like there's nothing you can do about it, but it's also in service to the game itself. It's one yeah. of those moments that I was just like, holy fuck, dude, games can games can do something different. You're not just mm. jump man fucking taking on Donkey Kong to save the princess. Like fucking you know jump what I, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you're not just fucking Mega Man battling other evil robots. Like th- games can do something different. And that was mm-hmm. fucking mind-blowing for me when I was like I said like 10, 11, 12. When when like, you when you experienced that fight for the first time, did you think like your game was just fucking up? Yes, like, yeah. I, was fucking I had up? no fucking clue and I was like, dude, what? Like yeah. how how am I supposed to fight this guy? And then like I would tr- I actively tried changing like the TV channels and shit mm-hmm. like that to get it back to where it was like reading my PlayStation and nothing was working. I was like, what? Or yeah, it, it literally took me. I think it was like two weeks after like first getting to him before I finally read in, I think it was like game pro or something like that, that in order for him to not control you, you had to switch your controller port. And like that to me was one of those things that like, I was like, I can't like, I don't know how you're supposed to beat this boss. Like he literally controls you. You can't do anything like you're, you're frozen. And then I read in game pro like, Oh, if you switch this, I was like, Holy fuck, dude. 
Like, I don't know. It's one of those moments that's just, to me, will, it was a revelation and I will probably never, ever, ever like, yeah, forget it. That's fine. Have you had any type of boss encounter since then capture you in a similar fashion? Um, in terms of like affecting me in the way that like I can see that games do something different. No, not really. Um, I have had other, like I've had better boss fights. Like I, I think of like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, cause there's so many, but none that left you with a sense of bewilderment and just like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Like it's probably the most innovative game mechanic for a boss fight. And you've yet to see it again mm-hmm. yeah exactly yep. and it's uh, I, I don't know man it I was done on the playstation like mm-hmm. yeah i don't know yeah that's it's, crazy it's real good game <laughs> real good game real good moment that's how i but, felt uh, about the um <clears throat> the the first encounter with scarecrow in arkham asylum where he like glitches your screen mm. and shit out dude i straight up thought that i had bought like a bad copy of the game and i was freaking out i think i was in seventh grade I was like freaking out and hyperventilating because I was like, I want to play this game so bad, but it's broken. Blah, blah, blah. I forgot about that. Yeah, dude, that Actually. shit tripped me out hard. So I, I feel that. Yeah. Well, um, Austin, tell me about Sora versus Roxas. Okay. All right. Well, now you're picking for me too. I didn't get Ooh, to pick yeah. you, but okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Host, I do what I want. And the fucking host card. Whatever. Um, yeah, Sora versus Roxas and Kingdom Hearts 2 specifically. What do they fucking call the, the re-released versions? What do they call those? Uh, remix. like, fi- oh yeah, yeah, like Final Mix or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. Sure, um, sure. I, I, cause in the original Kingdom Hearts 2, it was just a cutscene, but in the remix, Final Mix, whatever the fuck they used for it in Kingdom Hearts 2, it was a full on boss fight, which was fucking awesome. Um, but that, it's really hard for a lot of Kingdom Hearts dialogue to emotionally affect me because sometimes you just don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> like, like especially in Kingdom Hearts 3, even some of the characters seem like they don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, I didn't. <laughs> I straight the fuck up did not. Um, I And I, I would have loved to have put a moment from Kingdom Hearts 3 up here as one of my favorite uh, gaming moments. But honestly, I think my favorite moment of Kingdom Hearts 3 was when the credits started rolling because I was finally <clears> done. <throat> um, <laughs> but I shouldn't say that. I'm, it's not a bad game. It was just underwhelming for being 13 years later. I want to get them on PC and go back and play them, but I'm not paying a sixty dollars no, piece. I will not. I, I I've argued people have argued with me on TikTok about how it's still worth it. And I was like, no, sir, it is not. It is not even kind of worth it. Not not when they're all available on fucking Game Pass. It's not worth it. Um But yeah, the Roxas versus Sora fight, I the I don't remember how old I was when I played the that version of the game for the first time, but it stuck with me really hard. Uh because of the just because of the choice of dialogue they decide to use for Roxas, uh, Ro- Roxas is going through this whole emotional ter- emotional turmoil where he doesn't like he doesn't know who he is or what he's supposed to be doing or why he's even like why he's even here. 
And so he's trying to figure it out. He's battling with Sora and inside of Sora's subconscious. And, and Roxas is just like, you know, why you? Like, why why are you obviously chosen over me? Why are you allowed to exist, but I'm not? And uh, go, like going through, I think I was probably going through puberty at that time. Some shit like that, where I was coming to terms of like who I am as a person. What am I into? Like, what kind of stuff do I like? What do I not like? Uh, that can be a very hard thing to navigate sometimes like you don't re it's very hard to 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 find yourself sometimes or like find your interests find your hobbies and like I that was one of the first times in gaming that I feel like I remember really relating to a character because that time in my life like I, I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't know really what what I liked and what I didn't like I didn't know who I was so to to have this video game character that I've fallen in love with emotionally express similar struggles, it was it was dope. And it, it's a scene that I'm I mean, I'm never going to forget that cutscene. I Sometimes when I get bored, I go back on YouTube and rewatch that specific cutscene. Um, it, it, it impacted me and I loved it and I still love it to this day. I love Kingdom Hearts, too. Like, I, uh, you know, again, call back to the first episode. Kingdom Hearts 2 is one of my favorite video games of all time. Even though it's a buggy JRPG mess, I fucking love it. And I'll go back and play that shit eventually. It's so hard for me to replay it because it's so fucking long. So I'll do it eventually. <laughs> and you got to play as Roxas for like the first four fucking hours and it's just drawn out. But maybe one day I'll go back and replay it. That might be a fun, that might be a fun steam, uh, uh, stream playthrough at some point. But we'll see. Maybe if they bring it over to the Switch, that'll be tight. Yeah, it could work. Yeah, I don't know why they have it. I don't know what's taking them so fucking long. But yeah, uh, Dylan, you go. Oh shit! Okay, uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot about shit. mine. I forgot um, I was here. Yeah, kind of. You want to pick one for me? Yeah, which are three? Okay. <laughs> so we're just going down. <laughs> The list for me. I'm I'm just I'm just trying <laughs> to delay hearing nerd out about Dark Souls. Oh, I don't know. You know what? Actually, no. Do Dark Souls. No, I want to do Dark You've Souls. spoken. No. You know, Mandalorian. This is the way. I have this spoken. This is the way. Uh, we're gonna talk about The Witcher Three. Okay. Um, right. It's a good game. It is a good game. Some people would disagree with me. Those people are wrong. Bugsy three hundred eight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. Something cool that The Witcher did was this was the first game that I played in the franchise and I was unfamiliar with the universe before this. I can safely admit that because I've since gone back and explored the universe and I love it. But this being my first, you know, instance into the game, The Witcher 3 really did a good job at making me understand the characters that I was seeing, understanding that they had a backstory and it kind of worked perfectly for a newcomer. I don't know how they did it, but it's like, okay, I could see the relationship between Geralt and X person or Geralt and Y person. I could see that. So delving into the game further, I mean, obviously the main goal for the first long while is to find Siri. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you're... <sighs> You're, I'm not going to I'm really not going into spoilers because this is a game I refuse to spoil for anyone, no matter how long, you know, <laughs> it's been out. But I promise I'm playing it eventually. 
and that's fine. This is a part of the reason why I'm not doing spoilers, but mm-hmm. you're tasked by a very powerful person to find Siri, but Geralt has a really complicated relationship with this person already. And not only that, but why would he find Siri for this person and not find them for himself? Siri is like Geralt's adoptive daughter, really. Um, so you're, you know, to keep details kind of bland, I mean, you're on this wild goose chase and you're always a step away. And it's not even a big step. It's always something where he just misses her and it's heartbreaking to watch through the entire game. It's like you were so close. And then in some circumstances, things are starting to look pretty dire. So you can imagine, especially someone like you, Austin, who is a father who is that close to finding their daughter in your step away every single time. Yeah. It must. Oh yeah. Be gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. And this game does a good job at conveying that to you. So you're going along and you're trying to do all of this stuff. And then finally you get to the moment where of all places, you're helping like seven dwarves. <laughs> Essentially you have come to the princess and you help them out. But when you finally start to speak to them, you get bad news. She's dead and Shit. you rush in and you have this moment with her you can see the grief just take over Geralt but like any princess story she comes back and you'll see how as you play the game but it was again he had this moment where he was a step away Yeah. and then he opens the door and he sees her lifeless body there and then he would never get to take that last step. Like, even though he found her, she was gone. So you could see that take over him, and it was so crushing at the time. But when they are reunited, the scene plays, and if you've actually seen The Witcher show on Netflix, they use the exact same scene. When Geralt finds Ciri for the first time, you know, she comes back, and this memory plays for him. And it was a beautiful way for again for people who had never seen anything to do with the witcher universe read the books played the games you saw how this girl came into his life or how long he had been a part of her life rather not necessarily how he came into it because that's a huge story in itself Mm -hmm. but you saw a, a, a glimmer of a time period from a long long time ago where she was this little girl and he was who he is at the time. You know, he's still Geralt, a grown man, but you see this interaction between them at a very early stage in her life. So you could see, like, that was the father figure. This was the daughter. This is when, you know, a close bond blossomed. You know, you saw this really touching moment, and it just sticks with you. Like, stuff like yeah, that. for sure, dude. It's everlasting for me in games. Like, that changed the way... The Witcher 3 changed the way how I look at games and what I really enjoy about them. I don't think anything will really come close. Um, I obviously hoped Cyberpunk would come close, and it didn't even... Not even close. Not even remotely. Scratch the surface, no. And that sucks, but that just shows how special The Witcher is. Yeah. Um, And that moment solidified it for me. 
you know, that's, I can't wait to play it. Um, I, I just, I, I have it on PC. It's downloaded. I just haven't done it yet. Um, just cause I've been trying to play through so many other things, but like listening to you talk about the Witcher three, like it, I, I, I want to play that shit right now. So, I was right about Stardew Valley. Yep. Yeah. I'll be right about the Witcher. Yep. Yeah. And it's just a game that goes for so long. Like you have to have the time invested into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, speaking of which, or not really gaming related, kind of off topic, but a fun fact that uh, you talking about it when you, uh, about the whole, like uh, looking for Siri, it kind of, it reminded me of the story. Um, fun fact. I helped solve a missing persons case in like 2016. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it's fucking wild, dude. Um, uh, 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 a girl I had, a uh, girl I was friends with in high school, uh, went missing like uh, two or three days after my daughter was born, and 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 like we were good friends in high school, so I was like, oh shit, like that fucking sucks. So I was posting about it. I was like, yo, like if anyone in the area has like the Buford Lawrenceville area has seen her, like please contact her mom. Like everyone's looking for her. They think foul play is suspected. Uh, come to find out she was, uh, originally kidnapped, uh, not, not kidnapped, but more or less groomed, uh, by, by a human trafficker. And she got away from that situation, uh, met up with her ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend was like, yo, like I have priors and you're a missing person. So like, you cannot leave this house. So he basically held her hostage for two weeks because he was like, I don't want shit coming down on me. I have priors. Like, I can't do that. And uh, one of her friends uh, happened to see her like walk into his house, like through the basement uh, one night. And the, and so she uh, her friend DM me on Instagram was like, hey, like this is the address she's at. Like, I just saw her run through the basement, like do something, call somebody. So I called her mom and then I called 911. And sure enough, uh, police raided his home and she was in there. So, what the fuck? Yeah, that was a crazy fucking story. That really happened. I helped solve a missing person's case. Oh my gosh. That's yep. that's something. <laughs> yep. uh, not trying to make light of the situation. It's a fucked up situation, but that was just a I don't I don't know why my brain was just like, hey, this happened when Dylan. How did that start? Oh yeah, Siri. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't know why, but yeah. Fun well, fact. Well, uh there's not really any way to transition from that, so I'm going to just talk about my next game. There uh, is yeah. a fun way to transition to that, and you forgot. It's my pick. Oh, and okay. Just like Austin's, you know, princess got to go home to her castle, you can also talk about your game, Gone Home. Oh, okay. you, you reached oh. way too hard. Uh, I was kind of clever. I kind of, I kind of got it. Uh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Uh, so best for last for you. That's why. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, Gone Home. Uh, I genuinely don't know what to say about this game that hasn't already been said. Uh, and it, really, it's not any particular moment in the game that bring like. There's one moment in particular that I want to talk about, but I kind of want to talk about the game in general because the game leads to that moment in a really impactful way. And the game had, okay, well, let me just talk about it. So basically the way it begins is it's a black screen and you kind of hear like rain coming and like, it's a, 
uh, phone call that you hear, and it's the the main character the, or the the character that you're playing as saying, "Hey, mom, I just got in from the airport, and we're going to, um, uh, you know, I'm going to be at the house in blah 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 blah." So that's the way it begins, and then it opens up, and you are on the front porch of this house. And you go, like, you solve a little puzzle to get inside. And then once you're inside, kind of like all of the lights are off. And, like, you're hearing, like, the thunderstorm from outside. And you're kind of hearing, like, creaks and groans coming from inside the house itself. And so when you first start, you're like, oh, is this like a horror game? Like a, a walking simulator horror type game? And it's not that at all. It It's really a romance. And like there is a moment towards the end that is kind of funny and kind of, I guess, pays homage to the fact that like when you first start, you think that it's a horror game. Uh, but like the environmental storytelling in this game is something that I think is kind of off the fucking charts. Mm -hmm. You So the basic premise of the game is that you come back home. This is your, this is your childhood home that you have left while you went away for like a college trip or whatever, yeah. or like you were studying abroad. And so you're coming back home and no one's home. And you're like, you know, what the fuck? So you kind of got to figure out what, like what's going on. And you go around the house and you kind of find these journal entries and a voiceover plays like an audio log in a Bioshock or something like that. And it's the diary entry. And, through these diary entries, you learn about this, this budding, like, well, you learn about your little sister and then eventually this budding lesbian romance that is, is happening between her and this other girl. Mm. And through these, like, it, that's, that's a whole other thing in and of itself. But also you can go around and interact with, interact with almost every object in the game. Like there are obvious things that like you can't do, but like there are a ton of like you can up and open up drawers and there's nothing in there. Like there's nothing for you to look or like you can pick up a book and then like there's nothing really you can do. Like you can't read it or anything, but like it's there and you can pick it up. And there are so many like cool little things that you can find that you can read that give like additional fleshing out of of the world that has been happening while you've been gone. So like, for instance, the your mom in the story has these letters that she's written to her friend. And at first, like when you start start reading them, she's talking about, oh, like, I miss you. Uh, cause they had, they had just moved to this house or whatever. Uh, but, uh, she's like, you know, I miss you and this is what's going on in my life. And, you know, uh, all the, all this other stuff. And then as they, as they go along, you find out that like her life here in, I think it takes place in Seattle. If it's not Seattle, it's like in the Pacific Northwest for sure. But mm -hmm. you find out that like her life starts to kind of, like go down hill or hill like relatively like quickly like she's not she's not happy anymore and stuff like that and she starts to like have an affair and like you you don't have to experience any of this stuff but like like it's it's 
additional subtext that you wouldn't get just from, you know, going through the game or whatever. But then there's uh, like, there's also awesome little things like your dad is a writer and like you pick up on that through the audio logs and from like the, the mother's like written letter stories. But like also like there are all the, there's this one part where his office is that has all these books that were his that were published. And then like they just didn't get sold and like the book deal fell through or whatever. And so he's sitting on all these books and like, you can see that like at one point he was an, an established writer and like he had a career and then this book for whatever reason flopped. And then there are like little letters that you can find that, that tell you uh, all about your dad's falling out with his former publisher and like why this one, like why the current publishing company decided not to pick up this book in particular. And it tells the story of this family kind of like slowly dissolving while you're away on your studying abroad thing. And that in and of itself is really impactful. But like, so one of the things that I mentioned is like, uh, it kind of there's a there's a piece that kind of pays homage to the fact that you might think this is a horror game, but there's this little area underneath the staircase at the very beginning of the game that's like this little cubby, and you go back in there and there's like a little seance thing that they have staged, and like it's like oh what the fuck, and I it doesn't really nothing really ever comes of that in particular, but it's just like a cool little nod that like your sister was having a seance with her friends or whatever, or, or maybe with her, her lover. And really the, the, the writing in the, in the journals is excellently paced. It's really well written. And the voice performance that delivers it, it just is so, so impactful. It's so good. There's, I mean, I, so I'll just the, the lesbian romance in and of itself with the writing is like not, not only was it really my first experience with this sort of storytelling in gaming, but it's also one of those like it's not necessarily like it, so it, it, it is a lesbian relationship, but it's one of those things that it's like universal, if that makes sense. So like it's a it's a dumb high school relationship it's a bad relationship that like these stupid kids are fucking undergoing and i remember those relationships i remember having those relationships and it's not it's not like a it's not just token lesbianism if or token i i maybe that's the right phrase i don't know uh but it's not just like it i it normalized it for me I guess is, is maybe, uh, the best way to put it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to really put it, but like, it was my first experience seeing something like this told in a way that I was like, Oh, holy shit. And then, so th then this is the, kind of the point that I wanted to get to in the moment that really like, I guess impacted me the most, like the whole mm -hmm. game is impactful. You should fucking play it. But like, so the ending, like, it turns out that Lonnie, who is the girl that your sister is kind of like has fallen for or whatever, has gone through this process of military training and she's going to be going away. And um, so she kind of breaks things off with your little sister. 
and the last journal entry that you pick up before the before the end of the game like uh there's i guess this is technically the second to last journal entry in the entirety of the game but it's the last one you pick up before the the quote-unquote end game and it is one of the most somber video or not video but like audio log things i have ever heard in my entire life and the whole thing has been leading to you finding this and then you're going to go upstairs to the attic because you finally have the attic key now and i thought when i was reading this that you were going to go upstairs and find your dead sister that she is going to have killed herself because she was so utterly devastated that her girlfriend was leaving because she finally she finally found herself. She finally, she was like, I'm a lesbian. I, and I love this girl. And like, this is me being me. And I can finally be myself around like someone else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to fucking find her dead. And it like the, I got chills running all the way down my spine when this, when this moment happened. And I was so, just upset because I knew I fucking knew that that's what was going to happen. And then you go up into the attic, there's no one there. And then you go to the, the very back end where like all these things are, are kind of tucked away. And then there is the journal that all of these journal entries have been kind of like coming from, I guess. And there's a letter addressed to you and it's this girl saying hey so this is uh this is what's happening and uh i actually got a call from lonnie and she's waiting for me at a bus stop and we're going to go live together and we're going to be together and it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks and i have never experienced anything quite like this the only other one i could probably say that I've experienced is a, is another little indie game called three fourths home, uh, that is also amazing and you guys should fucking play it. Um, and it just, I don't know, man, like it hit me and mm -hmm. I, it's still to this day, like if anyone ever wants to talk to me about like representation and gaming and stuff like that, I'm, I point to this and I'm like this, yeah, this is how sure. you fucking do it. And like, this is, uh, such an affecting game in so many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's excellent. Um, sorry, I, I rambled for a very long time. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. That I I was interested to hear all of it, honestly, because that that where can I play this? Where can I buy this? Uh, on everything. Um, it okay. might actually be on Game Pass right now. I I could be wrong, but okay. even even if it's not, it's like twenty bucks at most. Yeah. Okay. So well, that. I'm I'm definitely going to be going out of my way to pick that up because that sounds fucking beautiful and profound, and I want to play that. Yeah, it's. it's I had awesome. never heard it. I tried looking it up on Twitch, but there's zero people playing it, so you could be the first. Oh, I mm. might do it. <laughs> it's only do like it. two hours long, too. Like it's it's very short. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. I don't know. I I I really highly recommend it. It is oh, yeah, excellent for it, sure. It, it really is. Uh, all right. Who's going next, Josh? I guess we'll uh, we'll hop back to Dylan real quick. Great. <laughs> okay. Tell, so tell us. 
My last one is Soul of Cinder from uh, Dark Souls 3. So this one's pretty huge because I don't have the history that people have with Souls games. I've mm-hmm. come to like them after Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3 was my first true introduction to the Soulsborne games, and I love them. Or I loved it. Not them. Now I love them. But I loved it. And what did it for me <clears throat> was knowing the lore. That really helped. I knew who the bosses were in the first game. I understood about linking the fires. Yeah. I understood all that. Uh, my friends were very into the game, so I always had that background. And then I thought the lore was just really fucking cool. I think it has some of the best lore out of any game series. Um, because you kind of have to search for it yourself type of thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, but at the end of Dark Souls 3, you get <clears throat> to the kiln of the first flame. This is the last boss area. Um, and you you walk up to it, and you start the battle, and you see him in the distance in the middle of a field, and it's this... It's just a warrior. Um, so really what it is is like an amalgamation of all of the lords of cinder that came before like even Gwyn from the first dark souls game um that was a huge part of it it was literally every time that you linked the fire in the past games that was who you were um in that moment soul of cinder standing right there he was he was everything and at the same time nothing it was it, it's weird but the boss fight itself is so much fun to learn. It's not easy because he fights with different styles that are completely RNG through the first phase. Um, it's a boss fight that's punishing and it will grind you into the ground every single time. He's, I'm not going to say unpredictable because once you do it enough, you know the movesets. So in a way it's predictable, but at the same time, he just hits you with some shit that's out of nowhere. Um, the phase transitions that he has during phase one are RNG. Like you can never say, okay, he's going to start with X, but then immediately go into Y and then Z. It's literally any phase transition after that first, uh, like stance that he does. It's random. So you, it's really hard to prepare for like hitless runs and stuff like that. But beyond that, it's, uh, It's really immersive because when you hit phase two, the sound the the soundtrack switches to something that is from the first game. It's it's essentially the soundtrack of the final boss in Dark Souls, Gwyn, mm. and you are facing this in phase two. You are seeing the same move sets, but he's powerful in phase two. His sword becomes something else. It's no longer changing from a lance to a sword, to a staff, to a curved blade. Now it's just one giant blade of fire, and he is coming to fuck your world up much faster than he was before, um, much more powerful than he was before. His moves, though they may be more telegraphed, the drawback to that is they're, they hit that much harder, and they're that much faster. So, yeah, you can see his moves coming, but they are hitting with uh, truth. Like, he is coming to... F- kill you i mean it's it's a hard it's a hard fight but once you 
you're in that mindset and you you understand that this is the fight that all three games have led to. Yeah. This is the this is the last boss of the Souls game. It's beautiful in a very dark way. Um and you kill him. And you have some choices to make after that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it again because I feel like some people are still discovering that pleasure for themselves um but you have some choices to make at the end of that cinder fight and you can either perpetuate the cycle or make it come to a close and that's your choice but it's just a really nice ending to it's a it's a nice ending to a very dark franchise Mm -hmm. um it's just perfect. I think Dark Souls 3 is a very rare representation of a perfect game. Oh, yeah. In that, and it culminated down into that last boss fight. Full word. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I've never gotten that far, but uh, I watched... You will. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I watched Hob fight him um, Two weeks ago, I think he, he made it all the way to the end of Dark Souls three before getting fucked on the next one. And uh, I was watching it. And I was like, God damn, this is such a cool fucking fight. Yeah, it's the best boss fight I've ever done. Like Dark Souls three has so many of them. The Watchers fight is great. The Dancer fight is great. And the Cinder fight is great. Um, it's they're fights that will punish you over and over and over again but you have fun doing it. Like I'm not the kind of person that gets mad at dark souls. I get frustrated at myself for not seeing certain patterns and openings that I should have or taking advantage of a particular situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm the, I, I get frustrated at myself, but never the game. The game is doing exactly what it's designed to do. And it's to be hard, challenging, but <clears throat> you have openings, you have moments to take advantage of essentially so i get frustrated at myself for not taking it or learning at a rate that i know i could be i'm very hard on myself when it comes to learning these games which is why i think i'm as efficient at them as i am Mm -hmm, i've only been playing the game series like in depth on a challenge level for two weeks now and i'm almost finished with sl1 just running the game one time learning it i'm almost finished with it so that's pretty cool oh yeah um but that all comes back to the ending fight with cinder um so i did cinder hitless on my casual playthrough i believe i don't know how it happened i died and died and died and died again but then one time it just felt so good and natural and it's like i saw the moves and i could do the exact thing that i needed to do at the exact time and we beat the boss and then at the end of it i was like was that hitless did i just do that and like the chat was like, holy shit, that was, you did it. You made it look easy type of thing. And then it just shows, I don't know. The, it, Dark Souls promotes this level of learning that you can't really do in a game unless it's Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is you're going to die and you learn from doing it so much so that I did the fight on my own for the very first time hitless. So that was pretty cool. And well, now so- that's what I'm doing on Soul Level 1. Like on Soul Level 1, and I'll talk about I might even scratch this from talking about it too much on what I've been playing, but Soul Level 1 promotes this idea that you can't level up, but you're learning these bosses in very in-depth and detailed ways. And 
you can't what really did that for me was the sender fight on my first casual playthrough like i learned every single attack that he had and it was just the perfect boss fight i mean mm-hmm. he's there to punish you that's like the that's the ending trial and fuck it's perfect oh yeah i don't know i look forward to josh trying it soon we'll see <laughs> I am, uh, I don't remember if I told you or not, but, uh, I'm basically like 10 minutes away from getting to Fort. So, yeah, <sighs> excited. That's a fun fight, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited too. I, I'm excited to get past D, De- uh, Deacons of the Deep. <laughs> yeah. I just did that today. I saw one. It was a lot of fun, man. I'm ready for you too. Hell yeah. Uh, well, Austin. Wait. Wait. No. Oh I yeah, that's right. That's pop. It's popcorn. It's popcorn. Yep. And I'm going back to you. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. We we never let Austin speak last. That's true. Why? We never. He's always in the middle. Why? I don't know. You're like the, you're, It's fine. You're like our son. We got to kind of keep you in the middle. Make sure you don't get too off track. We'll let you take it at the end. Hate it here. All right. So um, my last one is. Uh, funnily enough, it is the first time I ever cried in a video game. Uh, and this is the death of Eris. I typed Aerith in the, in the document, but I, I, I did it wrong. It's Eris. That's right. I said it. Come at me, bitches. Um, I thought you were going to go for the other one. No shit. Oh, really? <laughs> well, yeah, I, no, get- I want to hear about this. Okay, well, I'll touch on that real quick. Uh, the other one that I had written was uh, the ending of Bioshock Infinite. Uh, mm. I think it's fucking wild. It's one of the fucking craziest whole game endings. is wild. Yeah, for real. Yeah, for real. they really are. Uh, but yeah, I. the only reason I didn't choose this one is because uh, I think that in the grand scheme of things, the, the thing that impacted me more was probably Aerith. Or Eris, sorry. About it then, holy shit, because that's crazy. I thought it was Aerith. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, it, it is Aerith, but the original translation on the PS1 was Eris, and oh. uh, today I learned it's always it's always been one of those things that like people are like it's Aerith, and I'm like, fuck you. When I played it in '98, it was Eris. <laughs> so yeah, suck my dick. <laughs> um. Also, it, it's really funny. I know that they had like two teams, maybe even three teams running, but like 97 was Final Fantasy 7, 98 was Final Fantasy 8, 99 was uh, Final Fantasy 9, and then 2001 was Final Fantasy 10. So in the span of five years, they released four fucking games. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh, But okay. So final fantasy seven released in 1997. I remember getting to this one late because the first game that I played in final fantasy or on the PlayStation from the final fantasy series was actually eight and, uh, eight to this day is still my favorite final fantasy. Um, it's not the best. And I, I recognize that it's not the best, but it's still, I love that game. Um, but seven, I got to after the fact because everyone told me how much better it was than eight. Um, and I think I played this in seventh grade. So this would have been around 2001. And the thing that this game really, or this moment in particular 
really did for me was it was kind of the first time that I experienced death. Uh, and I know that that sounds strange considering that like when you play video games, you can die all the time and then you can go into like a, like a restart state and, and things like that. But when Eris dies, well, okay, hang on. Let me, let me put this back into, into, into context. So like in other final fantasy games, characters have died in video games in general, characters have died. It's not a new thing, but the reason that this is, is more significant. I feel like is because so throughout the first disc, you really get to know Eris as a character. You really get to understand her and she is so cool. Cloud comes into the game and he's like this macho badass, and he like he he's stoic and he doesn't like really give a fuck about anyone other than himself. He's just kind of an asshole. And the thing is, is that's all a front. That's all just something that he puts out there for for it's his outward facing thing. Eris sees past that. She's she completely sees past his bullshit and like is like no. You're not that way. I know you're not. I can see, I can see who the fuck you are. I can like, and so she's got this, she's got that with you. And technically, I guess whenever I was playing RPGs back in the day, it was like, I, I was cloud cloud was me sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like, she was this character who was like, I can, I can see who you are and you're not who you say you are sort of thing. And that comes into play a little bit later in the in the game, which in interesting ways. But like, not only does she get to your core and be like, I know that you're a good person and like all of these other things, but also she's cool in and of herself. She is the character who immediately jumps to like when you see Tifa going to Don Corneo's, I, I think it's Don Corneo's. When when she's going to his like mansion of girls or whatever, like to to try to whatever the fuck it is that she's going to do, Aerith is the one who's like, Hey, we gotta go save her. Like, let's fucking do this. Like we we've got to save her. And so she's she's the one who like facilitates that. And she actually is like the the scene where where uh Cloud is kind of like figuring out what dress he's going to wear. Like she's the one who's like, Oh, this is the sexiest one because you have to it, different times. He had to cross dress to get in there and, and fool the, the Don so that then he could get picked as the girl and save Tifa or whatever. But like, she's, she's the one who's like, Hey, this one's, this one's sexy. You should go with this one. Like there's, there's this weird thing with Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy VII fans where, like, now it's, like, Eris is this this modest girl who kind of, like, whatever. But, like, she wasn't. Not, not in 1997 she fucking wasn't. Like, she was just this cool chick. So then there's the matter also of, like, she's the healer of the party. She's, like, in Final Fantasy VII, you can kind of make your own custom classes with materia and all of that stuff. But, like, so so no one character has a set purpose. They Like, you can build classes any way you see it. But Eris is different. 
she is the healer. They like, yeah. that is her purpose. Like that is what she does. And so finally to, to get to the point when she dies, she's gone and there is no way to get her back. And so you've lost the healer of your party. So she like an integral member of your family and your team is gone. Mm. Not only that, but this cool ass chick who saw you for you is gone. Yeah. And that is such an impactful moment for me. Like in that in 2001, I also lost my grandmother to cancer. And I remember having to go to Houston to oversee her funeral and everything. And like seeing her before she passed away in her, in her, I don't know a better way to put this, but her cancer ridden state was like horrifying because you see someone like in pain and stuff like yeah. that. And like, it's a totally different feeling than, than what you get from Eris. But it's, I f played through final fantasy seven before that happened. And there was this weird sense of permanence about Eris's death that affected mm -hmm. me. And it made me able to get through my grandmother's death without as much, uh, maybe heartache or like it, it I was able to understand more yeah, because I sense. realized from, from this that, it like death, death is inevitable and it sucks and it is hard. And like, there's literally no going back. Like it's, it's done. And this game taught me that. Mm -hmm. And I, it will forever hold a very special place in my heart for that very reason. And uh, like, it's not even just the death thing though, either. Like uh, not to, I know I'm going a little long, so I, I'll, I, I'll wrap this up real quick, but it also showcases grief. It admittedly, it kind of gets away from it. Like, a, a little too soon. Like I kind of wish that they would have, have expanded upon it a little bit, but like in the scene right after she dies, it showcases the grief that everyone in the party feels in completely different ways. Like Tifa like goes up to Eris and like, well, like she like, she wipes the hair out of her face or like, cloud is like so angry and he's just like he screams and like it's like why is this happening or like the one that really i think is maybe the one that most people will will gravitate towards is barrett who's this again he's a big stoic guy but like he just breaks down in these heavy sobs and it like it rocks him to his core mm -hmm. and it's just I don't know, man. It's one of those moments that I, I will never forget. Hell yeah. I didn't play the games, but they... Word travels fast. Um, of something like that. I think that was one of like the most defining video game moments of all time is when she died. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... I don't know. It transcends everything. It, it's it made its way into Kingdom Hearts. Uh, yeah. Or she did. 
So that was pretty cool too. I don't know. It's just different, man. I, it's just, it's deaths like that. I mean, now you see protagonists and main characters like that die nowadays. But she was the first to she was the first to bite the bullet in that scale. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it agree. Was, it was critical for sure. So, yeah, I know it was kind of a bitchy pick because I, I feel like a lot of people my age probably picked that game. But, like, it really did have, like, a really yeah profound effect on me. Um, <clears throat> Most people your age are in retirement homes by now. It's true. Really it is much. true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Austin, seeing as how you're the baby, uh, how old are you again? Seven? Um, I'm fourth. <laughs> Four. Tell us about your last pick. My last pick. Oh boy. My last pick of one of my favorite moments in gaming is leaving the shrine of resurrection and stepping on the foothill of that cliff in the Great Plateau and overlooking a demolished and literally on fucking fire height. Um, Zelda, for the most part, uh, most previous Zelda titles. I know Zelda got dark here and there, like with Ocarina of Time, like when you pull the Master Sword and you you travel in time and Adult Link comes, obviously Hyrule's demolished. But that wasn't your first introduction to Hyrule in Ocarina of Time. You got a perfectly normal, balanced Hyrule with some shady shit going on, you know, inside the castle. But for the most part, everything was fine. And, you know, Wind Waker, you're on this cheery, fucking beautiful island before shit hits the fucking fan. But in Breath of the Wild, it, lack of a better word, you're in the middle of a calamity. Hyrule is literally falling apart. It's overrun by by monsters and the divine beasts are going nuts and they're wreaking havoc across Hyrule. And you're, you're, you immediately get this sense of urgency where you're just like, fuck, like you guys really just threw me in here. Just threw me into the fucking frying pan. And I, I, not, not too many games do that. And the games that do don't pull it off the way Breath of the Wild pulled it off because it gave you this sense of urgency. But at the same time, it gave you this feeling of like, this is a massive world. Like, I, I don't know how far, like, have you guys finished Breath of the Wild? Close. Uh, close. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually finished it, but I've gotten close. The the map, the world of Breath of the Wild is astoundingly fucking large for a Switch game. Honestly, it, it was fucking huge for an for for a Nintendo title because we never really had an open world first party Nintendo title of this scale. Um, so you had this sense of urgency. You 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 know you have to save Zelda. You know you have to stop Ganon. You know it's the typical rinse and repeat, uh, uh Zelda Zelda formula. But at the same time, you were given this this huge world to explore and really and really do whatever the fuck you want to do. And I I think I, I think that very first shot of the camera panning over Link and overlooking because the Great Plateau is like the I, I think the Great Plateau was like a little raised and it was kind of like you were a little higher than the rest of the region standing over that. So you got it, you know it wasn't Death Mountain or the fucking Rivoli Tower or whatever the bird people call their home. Um, 
but it, it 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 really is a beautiful fucking game for that alone. Like I got this sense of it, it was a weird mixture of of dread and urgency, but also freedom and and beautiful at the same time. And I I I I will never get over Breath of the Wild. I think that game. Very few games to me, uh, I think, are masterpieces. But I, 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 to me personally, Breath of the Wild is an 11 out of 10 masterpiece. I think that Nintendo outdid themselves when they did Breath of the Wild. And I'm honestly, I'm excited for it, but I'm scared for Breath of the Wild too because I, I don't think that there's anything Nintendo can do with Zelda that can live up to what Breath of the Wild did. Um, so yeah, that 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 has defined me. I mean, Breath of the Wild, playing it for the first time. I didn't get it when when I first got the Switch. I got it. I kind of dabbled into it, but I didn't really. I don't think I ever even made it past the Great Plateau when I played the game for the very first time. It wasn't until early last year that I did my first full playthrough of it, and that game spawned my love for the Switch. It spawned my uh, uh, physical collecting for the Switch. It, it spawned so much for me as far as gaming goes that I, I I can never let this game fucking go. This game will always be a piece of my collection. Um, I still would love to go out of my way and get the foreign collector's editions because a bunch of different regions got shit that we never got that we'll never get. So I still want to go out of my way and collect those that it money. That shit's expensive now, dog. (laughs) But, um, a beautiful fucking title, and if you don't own a Switch, I don't know what you're doing not playing Breath of the Wild. At least finish that shit one time, at the very minimum. So, that's it. I don't know. I could never really get into Zelda until I played Breath of the Wild, then it just sucked me in when I did play it. Um, I'm the same obviously, way. I got, yeah, I got distracted um, somewhere along the line, but I loved it. I loved the shrines in particular. Mm-hmm. I loved working my way towards the master sword. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was a world that was alive and it felt so good to be a part of it. Uh, mysteries around every corner, finding the labyrinths and stuff like that. Yeah, so sick. Dude. Yeah. So they did a lot, right. And it all started with taking that first step out mm-hmm. into the demolished world. I'm work. I'm actually working on a hundred percenting Breath of the Wild, and then I was like, "Well, fuck! How many Korok seeds are there? Did you guys know there's nine hundred? Yeah, nine hundred yep. Korok seeds. I'll do it eventually. I don't know when, but I will do it. But <laughs> fuck that. Oh man. Well, uh, yeah, that was our um, most impactful moments in gaming. I see here that one Gilbeezy said that the end of What Remains of Edith Finch had me in pieces. I've actually never played that game. Um, I've heard of it. It's something that I, I've been meaning to get to for mm. forever. I think I own it on PlayStation, but I've never gotten to it. So... Um, but I will, I cut one of my, what I've been playing out cause I've been talking about it all stream. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, we'll get to, we'll go ahead and we'll get there. Uh, what we've been playing. I don't have anything really worth talking about. I played maybe an hour of Luigi's mansion three. So I'll have like some more extensive thoughts on that next week. Probably. Uh, I've been playing more bravely default and I don't have anything new to say about it. So, um, yeah, I don't really have anything 
But uh, Austin, you've got Wind Waker. Mm-hmm. You've been playing Wind Waker. I have been playing Wind Waker. Yeah. Um, so uh, my mom actually surprised me, and uh, she called. I, I was so I guess to start off with, uh, for context reasons, I was at GameStop Friday because I bought a 3DS off of a uh, bought a 3DS off of an old coworker. And I was like, well, let me run to GameStop. Let me pick up some some 3DS some cheap 3DS titles. Uh, not remembering that cheap 3DS titles don't exist anymore. They're all <laughs> expensive. Uh, so I opted with the only thing I bought was uh, the Ocarina of Time 3D remake. But while I was there, I noticed something that I don't really see a whole lot in GameStop anymore, and it was a physical copy of Wii U, or of the Wii U version of Wind Waker. So my mom called me later that night. She was like, hey, like, uh, want to do something for your birthday? Make it kind of inexpensive. Is there like a game you want? Like, you know, what do you want? What the fuck do you want? And I was like, <laughs> well, uh, I saw this game at GameStop. I, it's pretty hard to come by physically. So I sent her a picture of the case art and she went and got it for me. And yeah, I've been playing Wind Waker. I'm not that far. I'm probably like 45 minutes because Madison never wants to sit in the game room. Also, fuck, I'm going to get on a soapbox real goddamn quick. The Wii U is easily the most falsely advertised system that I have ever heard of in my fucking <laughs> You're not wrong. life. Because they, I, like I was reading, I looked it up in Nintendo's advertisements. They were like, you can play up to 20 feet away with the gamepad. No, you fucking can't. No, you can't. The moment I step outside of that door, my Wii U is like three feet that that way. Yeah, that's the right <laughs> way. My Wii U was set up to a TV like three feet that way. The moment I step outside of that fucking door, it loses connection with the console. I'm like, that's not 20 feet. That's like three at the most. Three or four. So fuck you, Nintendo. That was a lie, and whatever. It it make it almost makes me not even want to fucking touch the thing anymore because I just like I like I like my game room, but if I'm not sitting on my PC, I really don't want to fucking sit in here because the insulation in this room is really bad. It's either too cold or too hot. There's no one fucking between because this room used to be a front porch. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, Wind Waker. It's uh, not my favorite Zelda game. I don't even think it's in the top five. Like, not even close, but... You're a fucking crazy person. It's good. Oh, shut up. So you're playing that and Ocarina of Time at the same time? Yeah, I am. I, I'm, I'm in a... I finished my third playthrough of Breath of the Wild, like, uh, Friday? Last Friday, maybe? Last Thursday? And uh, I was like, fuck, dude. I'm in a Zelda mood. So, yeah, I've been playing Wind Waker while I'm at home and then uh, going to work and stuff. I've been playing Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Ocarina of Time is still, to me, the second best 3D Zelda game and probably always will be. Until, uh, well, I guess I can't say that because I've never played Majora's Mask. Yeah, you can't say shit then. Yeah, I've never played Majora's Mask. I've I've played every other 3D Zelda, but I've never played Majora's Mask. Uh, I do own it. I own it on the Wii U. But I, it's hard for me to play the original 64 versions. You know what I really liked about Ocarina of Time? What? The fishing. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't even know that you could... I completely forgot that you could do that in Ocarina of Time, honestly. Yep, that was pretty great. But uh, I, 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 I own Majora's Mask on the Wii U. I, I just need to get to it, but I'm probably just going to go buy the 3DS remake and just play that one. We'll just stay close to your TV. 
the fucking bullshit, dude. It's such a stupid <laughs> console. It's such a stupid fucking console. But I'm going to keep buying and keep collecting for it. Mm-hmm. So I do want to get Twilight Princess for the Wii U. I want to get that HD remake. But fuck, that game is expensive now, dude. That game is really expensive. It's like 120 bucks for like a complete inbox copy for the Wii U, which is mind-blowing that the GameCube version is not even that expensive. But yeah, that's that's all I've been doing, really. Just Zelda. Cool. I have been playing Phasmophobia because uh, Bubbles, just Bubbles in my chat, or just, you know, just in my buddy in real life, he gifted it to me. Uh, and <laughs> that shit is so much fun. It was a scary good time. If you've never played it before, I talked about it in my, my stream today because I had such a good time with it. You're essentially a ghost hunter and you go into these different houses. There's multiple you can choose from. And you're essentially trying to kind of solve what ghost is in the house. Mm -hmm. And you have... I'll jump right into the whole story of this because this is leading to a story. Guys have been playing Phasmophobia. It's great. You should give it a try. But the reason I'm telling you this is because the best... I have never cried from laughing in my life other than like a few tears... But the other night, I was, like, pouring tears from my face, laughing so hard. I was dead. Yeah. And I hope I can convey what happened well enough. But we're in the house, and we are playing with one of his buddies. So I'm already dead at this point. If you die from the ghost inside of Phasmophobia, you kind of go into this, like, ethereal realm. You can still see what's going on but you can't interact with anything. You can give your team feedback on where the ghost is because you can at least see the ghost when it goes into, like, the stalking hunting mode. So that's kind of cool. But uh, they're trapped in the house at this point, and there's multiple tools that you can take advantage of. There's, a like, a, a flashlight, a UV flashlight. Um, the, the normal flashlight's, like, military-grade. It's rather large. Um, you would, it's something that like, if you took a hit with it, shit's going to knock you out. Like it's a very big flashlight. The UV flashlight's much smaller. Uh, there's also, um, cameras. You can take pictures of the ghost to try and find evidence. There's uh thermometers. So you can like test this particular part of the room and see if the ghost is in there or not. There's radios, there's Ouija boards and all this. So like I said, I'm dead and they're trying to get out at this point. Ghost is peak frustrated level right now like i'm in the van and the ghost form looking and you kind of have statistics on what's going on inside the van and out of a 10 the paranormal activity was at a 10 inside of that house at the point so shit was a little scary um so they're trying to run out of the building at this point and uh they turn the corner from the living room and they see the doorway and they start sprinting towards it and the ghost slams the door right in front of their face and bubbles is not having it he is not doing good like he's freaking out other buddy dips into the bedroom locks himself in the closet and bubbles just just sitting there at the doorway like trying to yank the shit like let me (laughs) out type of deal all while it's pitch black so he's freaking the fuck out because when this uh ghost comes it sounds exactly like the grudge. Oh, um, no. It also has uh-huh. an axe. I'm good. Yep. So it's terrifying. Yes. We were in the garage, for example, and uh, the kitchen was right next door. And Justin had his Ouija board out and he said, 
where are you in the house? You can talk to them in, in the game. You can use voice chat to give it voice commands and they will tell you. So the Ouija board, when we asked, where are you in the house? It said the kitchen. I pointed the thermometer over there and the temperature shot down. Oh, like dude. it was truly standing there. No, 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 so, no, 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 no. It's fucking freaky. So I'm dead. He got me on the way out when I died. And then now Bubbles is trapped, like yanking on the door, like, get me the fuck out. So he's fumbling through his materials at the time, and he's got a flashlight, a camera, and the Ouija board. So it's pitch black. He can't see. He can't flip on the light switch. Dude buddy's hiding in closet. The ghost is there somewhere, and it's close. Like, it just shut the door on him. So he's crouched down, and he's trying to fumble through his materials, and finally he pulls out the giant flashlight, and he shines it, and it's not the it's not the ghost that scares him. It's the fucking flashlight. He goes, "Oh shit! I thought I had some ghost dick in my hand." <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! Oh my god! Holy no. shit! I fucking died, man. It's a game that spawns so much fun and good times. Like you're panicking. Yeah, for you're sure. You're in straight panic the whole time to the point where he thought the ghost was there, just flopping a big old <laughs> dick in his hand. <laughs> Oh, God, I've never cried laughing. I had to mute my mic. I was done. Like, I was hunched over. Oh, my God. If you have not played Phasmophobia, please, God, try it. It's so fun. It's so much fun uh, with friends, dude. It's so much fun. Yes, it truly was. I cannot. I'm going to try it again on Saturday night. I'm excited. All right. To, uh, pick it up so I can play with you guys. Yes. Yeah, for love. sure. Oh, yo, we should do that one night. Yes. That would be incredibly fun. Yep. Dude, I, I I streamed that game one time, and thankfully I had had my Twitch set to where it didn't save the the streams. Uh, it doesn't now, but thankfully it didn't save that stream, um, because fuck that. <laughs> I, scary, I I was man. I remember I was walking around the house and I had the flashlight. And I was like, okay, it's here. It's very close. I can hear it. It's somewhere. Walking past the stairs, I was like, I'm going to go get another tool out of the van that I didn't grab. Walking out, I just, something told me to point my flashlight at the stairs. And that motherfucker was right there. <laughs> and I was like, nope, end of stream. We're done. I'm done with this. Yep. I'm playing something else now. <laughs> Fuck every bit of that. I literally felt oh, my God. testicles in my throat. I was like, yep. I'm good. I'm good. I... I can handle horror games better than I can handle horror movies for whatever fucking reason. But that's not a very high bar. Yeah. It's not. This shit is still terrifying. Like I, I get so yeah, terrified, dude. man. I still can't play Slender. I know Slender's not even that scary, yeah. but it still fucks with me and I can't do it. They left me in the house by myself at one point in time, and they didn't tell me that till they were out the front door, and I freaked the <laughs> fuck out. I was like, you guys left me upstairs in the fucking dark. <laughs> Oh, my God. And then yeah, they were uh, telling me a situation of a time that happened the night before. You know, they were playing by themselves and the ghost wasn't showing itself. So they come over the chat and they're like, oh, you won't do shit, you fucking pussy. And as soon as they said that, they heard a growl from oh, right behind them. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Oh, my God. Uh, I would have died, dude. Yeah, we need to play that yeah. shit. It's going to be fun. Uh, for sure. Yeah, we're totally going to do that. That'll be great. Make that a community stream. Um, oh yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Before we, before we get to our picks of the week, real quick, read a couple more of these things. Cyan, is is it sus? Cyan sus gaming. Maybe. Um, 
they uh, they wrote for me it was the end of Call of Duty Black Ops zombie storyline in Black Ops Four. They killed off all the characters we grew up with for over ten years. So I think that's in reference to like gaming moments that made an impact, and that's for sure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for sure. You, you spend ten years playing a game, and then it ends or whatever. I have you guys. This is I guess sort of a, like a side tangent, but have you guys ever seen those like Reddit posts where like people will talk about like their experiences with like MMOs that they played for years and like them. Sh- shutting the servers down so yeah like, yeah yeah that that shit always gets to me i i don't know why but like people have it like, like yeah. club penguin r.i.p bro <laughs> jesus christ we're fucking uh, also, webkins bro uh, do what now nothing it was another stupid kid thing um gil bc also said either finches on game pass uh fya so it's an easy play in an afternoon Okay, cool. Um, and uh, then Science has also said that Majora's Mask is a masterpiece when and that they played it when it was too young. Fucked them up. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm going to get to it whenever I'm done with my playthrough of Ocarina. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's get to our picks of the week. Uh, my, my pick of the week is I actually found this channel the other day. Um, there, she is referred to as the Sphere Hunter which I feel like has to do with Final Fantasy X, but uh, I could be wrong. Uh, But she made a video on the third birthday. And so it's a 54-minute video uh, that's taking a look at the third Parasite Eve game. It's called The Third Birthday. And she really breaks the game down in depth. So she talks about, like, everything from like the story that it's trying to tell to the gameplay mechanics to like how it fits in with the, with the world of parasite Eve, like the, in the previous established games. Um, and then like, so she, she does all that stuff and and breaks it all down, but like she critiques it. One thing that I can't stand with people who are like talking about, uh, like in compare or not necessarily in comparison, but like when they're doing videos on a single entry within a franchise, they will often compare it to other entries in that franchise. And it's like, we like, that's all fine and good, but like, how does the game stand on its own sort of thing? And she does a really good job of breaking down why she thinks this game doesn't work purely based on its own merits. And then once she's done with that, she kind of takes it and says, well, this is why it doesn't work as a Parasite Eve game either. And I really fucking like that. And she's got a really nice and soothing voice. Uh, Like her videos are really well edited. Uh, It's her channel in general, I think, is really good if you're nostalgic for any sort of like survival horror games. Um, uh, And I also found out that she streams. So maybe you guys can check that out, too. Uh, but yeah, this video in particular, I think is very good. So, uh, check it out if you feel so inclined. Word. Uh, Austin, I think you mentioned your, your pick of the week earlier in the podcast. I did. Uh, another cool podcast that I've been listening to that I talked about, had the Steve-O on last week is Stiff Socks. Yes, that's a cum joke. Um, it is the comedians, uh, Trevor Wallace and and Michael Blaustein, Blaustein, however the fuck you pronounce his last name. What, what made you die? (laughs) Dylan, Dylan heard you say it's a cum joke and he just rolled his eyes so goddamn hard. (laughs) Oh man. Why did you roll your eyes, Dylan? What's going on with you over there? 
Nothing. <laughs> I don't, don't want to talk about it. Well, I want you to talk about it. Uh, all right, go on. Talk it's about your fucking. Sucks. I love how we just all night. We we just make Dylan's life miserable once a week. It, it is true. For like once three a week, hours. Dylan comes in here and is just like, "Man, maybe this will be this. normal," <laughs> and then it never is. <laughs> it almost was. We were doing great. Were we? I don't think that we were. Minutes. We edited. We talked about some suicide. That's normal. We had some murder. Perfectly fine. I might have talked about your wife needing dick earlier while you stepped away, but it that was is true. That is a thing you, that so happens. <laughs> oh, but it was your penis, so that's okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's plausible because it could have been that quick, but but we made it so far without anything completely <laughs> in the realm of what you just said. And then you got to come joke so close in the last five minutes. <laughs> anyway, um, it, it's. It's literally just them bullshitting. It, I mean, they're comedians. They 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 do what they do best, and they talk about their daily lives and all the kind of crazy shit that they're into, and they do, and it, it it's funny. It's a nice little pastime, and they're fucking hilarious. So go check that out. Now it makes sense that they had Steve-O on with their name being a reference to a cum sock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They they I think they've had a couple. I think they've had a couple a uh, couple of newer rappers on. They've. Uh, uh, I know they have an episode with uh, 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 Kendra Sutherland, and uh, I don't know. I'm just, I, That's a porn people, star, right? Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, you just Google said it. that. How do you? Never mind. It's fine. I recognize but, the name, but mm-hmm. yeah, but they they had her on there, and they they've had a couple others, and they're they're just really fucking funny. I I don't laugh anywhere near as hard in my day to day life as I do when I listen to Stiff Socks. So go check it out. They're hilarious. All right, then. Uh, fuck. You took all the steam out of me. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Why? Just because I, I, I said cum joke? That just ruined your day that hard? Nah, it's because I've been looking at stiff socks all night. And I honestly thought the name was kind of cute. <laughs> So, yeah, I didn't. So it really hit hard when you told me what it was actually about. (laughs) Oh, he had the innocence of like your mom finding your own stiff sock and being like, oh, he just needs to do some laundry. Okay, I'm nope. (laughs) Nope. Dylan, my pick of the week uh, is another Twitch streamer by the name of Miss B69, (laughs) B-E-E. Did you just laugh at the six? Yeah, I did. You're kidding me. What are you, 13? Oh, my God. I'm like 12 years old. Uh, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's her name. M-S-B-E-E-6-9. Uh, if you want to talk about some Dark Souls 3 PvP, she is the one. She kicks ass. Like, she goes, and that's her stream. She invades worlds, and she fucks people up just trying to play the goddamn game. It's pretty great. Uh, so if you want to check out some high quality PVP content on Dark Souls 3, it's her channel. She is on Team Whiters, um, and a very fantastic host. Give her a check. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> cool, cool. Uh, all right. Well, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop, Hunting Pixels, and the Culture Bop family of content. 
Hunting Pixels is available on Twitter at Pixels Hunting and on Instagram at Hunting underscore Pixel CB. You can find me on Twitter at the Bebopman182, on Instagram at Bebopman182, and on Twitch, where I've been streaming uh, every Wednesday. My uh, I, I need to change it on my actual um, thing uh, because work has been kind of uh, fucking me with uh, my schedule. So, in, mm, nope, I already read it, so it doesn't work anymore, Dylan. Sorry. Um. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I'm changing it to probably something similar or closer to like five to eight for my streaming. Uh, but mm -hmm. on Wednesdays and then if I can get in an extra stream here or there, I, I do. Uh, but yeah, come follow me. Uh, we're getting a nice little community starting to be built over there. Um, oh yeah. Dylan is available on Twitter at OMDizzy, on Instagram at OMDizzyTV, and on Twitch at OMDizzy. Go follow him. He is great at Dark Souls, uh, not so good at Spyro. <laughs> and you can find Austin... I deserve that. <laughs> you can find Austin on Twitter at Big Papa Plays, on Instagram at Big Papa Stevens underscore, or at Big Papa Plays, and on Twitch he is at Big Papa Plays. I don't think he has done any sort of streaming yet, but he'll get there. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming this week. Actually, Ooh, shit. coming at the end of this week. Uh, my capture card, I will have it by the end of this week. And uh, I haven't quite decided what I haven't decided what I want to start off with, but uh, it's going to be something for sure. I'm going to be playing something. Just don't know what yet. Uh, Thought about I thought about uh, Master Mode Breath of the Wild, but I just I literally just finished a playthrough, and I don't really know that I have the drive to do that hard of a playthrough again. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of want to play some other shit and then kind of let Breath of the Wild kind of fall from my memory, because uh, like you know you play a game so many times you get used to it, and I kind of want to let myself not be so used to it anymore, and then go do Master Mode, because I, I want it to be more more of a challenging adventure. So. Well, I'm I'm gonna do something this weekend, Saturday at some point. All right, just don't know what. Cool. Well, um, I guess uh, that will basically do it for us. If you have not, go ahead and drop a follow on this channel. Uh, we are streaming every, um, I guess every Tuesday night now. Uh, or Ooh. well, every recording because we're gonna have to work with Dylan's schedule, uh, here soon. Yeah. Uh, why are you staring directly at me? I can stare back, bitch. <laughs> um, also, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do that and leave us uh, leave us a review on your podcast service of choice. That would be greatly beneficial for us. Uh, and last thing is we have a discord that I am pretty positive is linked in uh, my Twitch bio. Uh, if it is not in the hunting pixels. Uh, I'll, I'll get that up there. Um, but we have a nice little discord group growing. Uh, we've got a bunch of our personal friends in there and uh, a couple of the guys that we have met through, uh, Twitch and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's super cool, man. It's super fun. Uh, we're talking pretty much daily and we would love to have uh, everyone join in and, and conversate with us. Oh, yeah, but, for uh, sure. Nah, it's not a fucking working <laughs> verse.
God damn. It is not. It is not. I, but I like to say conversation. Dylan was a, just like, oh, fuck you. It's a it's a good made up it. word. I like it. It is. And that's why I hate it. It should be a word. It should, it should be a word. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for us. So okay. until next time, goodbye.